on the field and inside the clubhouse. This is Brewers Extra Innings. Now broadcasting live from American Family Field, here's Dominic Catronio. Wow. The season is over. The season is over. It's unbelievable. The Brewers... I mean, are you really surprised of how that ended? What a... Just a weird way to end. But hey, made it through 162 games, and we're finally at the end of it. Wow. It's going to be a long show, so buckle up. I'm Dominic Catronio. This is Brewers Extra Innings. There's just so many ways we can go with this, right? It's a long, long year for a reason. And the Brewers, 50 games, they were awesome. Middle 50 games, it was meh. Last 62 games, it was chaos. <laughs> but, wow, we got a lot to, uh, to talk about here. And the Brewers fall in, quite frankly, fitting fashion with another blown save. 4-2 to the final tonight. And... You know, it's it's like a almost a sense of relief, oddly enough, right? I, I don't know if you share that feeling as well, but it's like, okay, well, it's over. Time to turn the page. And it's wild to say that about a team that finished 10 games over 500. The Brewers finish 86 and 76. They finish a game back of the final wild card spot. If the Brewers had won this game, they would have tied the Phillies and then obviously lose on the tiebreaker, which is why they were able to celebrate on Monday night. The Brewers have a lot of stuff to figure out this offseason. I'm an optimistic person. And when you look ahead to what the Brewers have in front of them, they got to figure out Second base, they got to figure out offense. They got to figure out is an extension in the future for Woodruff, for Burns. Is Williams your closer next season without a doubt? Is, let's say, Trevor Gott coming back? Is Jace Peterson coming back? Key contributors to your team that suddenly now. everything's up for grabs, right? So there's a lot to figure out here. We are going to be with you all the way until 9 o'clock tonight. 855-616-1620. 855-616-1620 is the Acunet Mortgage Talking Text Line. Going to get to a few of these texts as well. Looking uh, at a few of these that are rolling in right now. I want a lot of participation in the show. We're going to have Vinny Rutino join us a little bit later as well. This one coming from Mike in Sheboygan Falls. I'm concerned about the Brewers' future. Given the lack of performance from Yelich, who gets paid $26 million for putting up, at best, MLB average numbers, he's responsible for 22% of the Brewers' salary. The number one priority in the offseason, in my opinion, is to find a way to extend Burns or Woodruff. Yet is that possible with the amount that Yelich gets paid? Or can the Yelich contract be restructured? That's going to be a common theme, I think, throughout the entire offseason. Are the Brewers going to be able to figure things out when it comes to the, I don't want to call it a, a, a crunch, or I don't want to call it a, 
uh, you know, just the budget shortfalls, if you will. The I, it's a small market, obviously, but I just I don't like to just hamstring one contract to say, yeah, that's the reason why they're not able to spend money. And it's let's be completely honest with each other too. You need to keep one of those guys, Woodruff or Burns. Is it likely they keep both? I don't think so. And you as Brewers fans know that. And should you accept that, that's on you. It's You're the judge of like, wait, you're going to let both of these guys walk? But you got to make sure you get one of them. I'd love to have one of them, you know, signed this offseason or leading into spring training or by the start of next opening day. But I think that is priority number one, in my opinion. If you can lock up one of those guys, it sets up your budget for the next 10 years because of obviously the Yelich contract. And then you can understand, okay, we're going to pay these two guys X amount of dollars. And then you build from there. And you understand what you need to do roster-wise, draft-wise, you know, everything else when it comes to the thoughts of, okay, how do you fill in for more power? How do you fill in for more, uh, you know, middle relief? There's a lot of ways that they can go with that. But that is a good question. I think there is a chance that they can sign one of those guys. We're going to talk a lot about potential contracts and structures of things of that nature, some similar contracts that may be coming up for Brandon Woodruff. And for the Brewers, they're not going to be able to sit here and say, oh, yeah, no, we, we can't afford that guy. They, they can't do that forever. And I've said it from the very beginning. The Christian Yelich contract, the day that it was signed, you were thinking, oh, my goodness, they finally did the dang thing. The small market team, quote-unquote, signed the superstar to an extension. And analysts said that you were getting him for a steal for $26 million a year. $22 million the first two, and now $26 million a year. Analysts were saying you were getting a steal for him for those eight years. No one could have seen what was coming. Nobody. You're lying to yourself if you're saying, well, in 2020, yeah, no, I didn't want to sign Christian Yelich. You're lying to yourself if you say that. It stinks that it's gone downhill, but I really liked how stand up and upfront he was when the Brewers were officially eliminated on Monday. We talked about it on the show then about learning about the team and chemistry and what he needs to do on a daily basis to make sure he can be the best that he can be. But look, Christian's going to be a big part of this future. And as far as restructuring goes, I wouldn't hold your breath. Uh, th- this isn't like the NBA or the NFL and where you can figure out, okay, well, we got to pay this guy. We have a salary cap to figure out. We got to stay under this level. And in baseball, you don't really see that happen. There's no reason for it to happen because there is no salary cap. There's a luxury tax, which doesn't really act like a salary ca- uh, cap. Ask the the Padres and the Dodgers. But I, I mean, you got to extend one of them, and I don't think the Christian Yelich deal should be used as an excuse for a reason not to extend Woodruff and or Burns. I think that's a fair take. I think it's reasonable. You got to get one of them. You got to, got to, got to. There is no mistaking that you need to make sure one of them stays. Because I talked about it on Monday. When you sign that guy, it sends a signal to the rest of the league. Hey, the Brewers are for real. The Brewers want to compete. There's a lot to figure out there. Are you going to keep these guys? Are you going to roll with something else? Are you going to try to go fully young next year or in 2024? This is a very 
important offseason ahead of them. A couple more texts rolling in. 855-616-1620. This from Mike in Colorado. I guess it was a fitting end of the season. That was a huge disappointment. And in some regards, a travesty of many things. Some easy to figure out and others not so simple to explain, let alone fix. So is there anyone on this team that will be considered untouchable? Because I can think of maybe a small handful. Otherwise, I think this roster could be much different next season. I guess we'll see. Go Brewers from Mike in Colorado. Untouchables. That's a good question. I don't think there are many. I would say right now, the untouchables are Devin Williams. I would say... Willie Adamas, I would say, you know what? It might it might end there. I don't think Christian Yelich is untouchable. If somebody wants to take that contract, you're going to have to open. Listen, I just don't think there are many teams that are going to be asking about that contract. Hunter Renfro only has one more year left of team control. He'll be heading into his final year of arbitration this year. So I don't think that's untouchable. But it would be a hard sell to lose one of your primary offensive providers for a one-year, you know, departure. But maybe he's untouchable. I don't think Rowdy's untouchable. He did play every day, but he really ran out of gas at the end of the year. And he didn't really have a great year against lefties in his first year, given the chance to play every day. But I think he's probably the closest that is almost untouchable, but isn't. So... Reading back that list, it would be Adamas, Williams, and maybe Renfro. I think that's a pretty fair list. And the reason why I don't say Woodruff and Burns is if the Brewers aren't going to sign one of them, maybe you try to trade one and extend the other. I'm just thinking like the Brewers tend to think. I would love to sign both of them. Don't get me wrong. Who You're telling me, oh yeah, no, I don't want Burns and Woodruff on the same rotation for the next six years. But this is something that the Brewers are going to have to listen to because they can get a a lion's share coming back. I mean, look at what Luis Castillo brought in with a year of control. Both Burns and Woodruff have two more years of control. So Castillo obviously signs the extension. That's going to be a big part later on here in the show. Again, we're with you for a long time tonight. we got a lot to talk about tonight. But yeah, I think that's a good question, Mike. There are not many untouchables on this team right now. I do want to get to some positive stuff, though, throughout this show. We're going to talk about the good stuff. We're going to talk about the bad stuff. we got a whole lot to get through. Team MVPs, awards. We're going to have Vinny Rotino join us. The Brewers, it's this debrief. This is kind of the sit-down, buckle-up, not solving the problems. You know what happened in this season. Chemistry, trades, lack of offense, lack of bullpen, We've said this a million times of what the season ended up. But there were positive moments. There were some great deals. I think back to the very first day of opening day. I think of the Victor Caratini deal. I think of... I liked the Trevor Gott deal this coming offseason. I know he blew it tonight, but I, I really think Trevor Gott can be an important middle relief piece for you. And... Albeit the hater trade didn't work out and Bush struggled down the stretch, it, it makes the bullpen look a lot worse than it actually did perform. I want to get to the phone lines here as well. 855-616-1620. 855-616-1620. A 
Sparky and Madison, you're live on Brewers Extra Innings. Okay, uh, Dominic. Hey, thanks for uh, taking my call. Uh, my comment basically is small market teams like Milwaukee and Kansas City, Minnesota, you know, the list goes on, Cincinnati, Pittsburgh. You only have a small window of opportunity to win. And three years ago, Washington won the World Series, and this year they lost 100 games. Kansas City back in 2015 won the World Series, and two and a half, three years later, they were losing 90 and 100 games every year. So it's a, a team like the Brewers, I think, have to take advantage of that small window. And uh, I, I really don't think there's anybody on that team that you wouldn't want to trade or move. I mean, I can't, I can't think of anybody. I know you mentioned the. Uh, Tellez and Willie Adamas and things of that nature. But, you know, I, I just think that that offense has to be reconfigured in some way, shape, or form because you've got so many guys that swing and miss and strike out and you can't advance base runners. So I'm just wondering if at some point in time baseball and the Brewers will try to think in terms of having a different approach to scoring runs by hitters and not going up there hitting home runs all the time. And I think Tim Dillard made a comment, you got to get people on base for these guys that do hit home runs. And I don't see anything right now that gives you a lot of hope down the road here because, like I said, that window is getting a little smaller. And, uh, boy, this year they had the pitching, and last year they had the good pitching, and things just didn't turn out. So I guess there's a, there should be some degree of concern insofar as how this team is going to look next year. So anyhow, Dominic, I just wanted to throw that out. And, you know, at the same time, there were positive things about this season, 86 wins, uh, you know. So it's not all gloom and doom, but there's definitely going to have to be some major changes. So thanks for uh, taking my call, and I enjoyed listening to you, okay? Oh, thank you, Sparky. Appreciate you, man. And you're right, there is going to be changes. And Craig Council has been alluding to that this last week. And he knows something's coming because he's made it a really big point of mentioning the fact that, oh, you, you never know when you're going to be in the clubhouse with these guys again. We could look very different next season. There are a lot of free agent departures coming. I mean, Andrew McCutcheon's not going to be back, so you got to figure out DH. I didn't even mention that one. Colton Wong, they're going to climb that option, I imagine, for $10 million. So it's going to be very different. It's going to be very, very different moving forward. Appreciate the call there, Sparky. If you want to participate, 855-616-1620. Again, 855-616-1620. Want to get back to the phone lines here before we take our first break. We're all the way till 9 o'clock tonight, y'all. We're going to have a plenty of debriefing. We're going to give out team awards. We're going to look at 2023, the way-too-soon starting lineup. We're going to look at the, you know, the rest of the league. We're going to make some playoff predictions as well. So we got a lot to get to here, but one more call in here from, from Bob and Waterford. You, you want to join in and... Have uh, some thoughts on this season, Bob. Thanks for your patience, and you're live on Brewers Extra Innings. Great. Thanks for taking my call. You know, I told your producer, this is a very frustrating topic for me. The trade I thought with um, Hayter was just a debacle. There was nothing wrong at this time, realistically. If it's not broke, let's don't fix it. Yes, he was having problems, but people don't realize, I think, that this guy came back from paternity leave, and there was some type of issue with family, okay? All, all aside, my biggest question with this team is, why can't we model ourselves like the St. Louis Cardinals? They are a small market team, year in, year out. This team seems to be in the playoffs, not to mention possibly the World Series. I look at a guy like Yadi Molina. He's a catcher. Do you think if this guy was on the Brewers that they would pay the money for a catcher at that position 
it's a waste of money. We built this state-of-the-art stadium just for this reason. We were told that we would be able to go after free agents. We would be able to retain our own. This team is not going to be able to keep Adonis, Burns, and, and Woodruff. There's just no way. So why can't we model ourselves like that? It, it, it's just frustrating. Year in, year out, this team is the best team for four months, five months, and they tank at the end. And for whatever reason, it frustrates me that we trade good guys. We're trading for the future. The future was supposed to be when County Stadium was knocked down and we built Miller Park. Thanks for taking my call. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for hopping on here, Bob. When it comes to comparing them to the Cardinals, that's not a bad comparison as far as just population goes. But I I do pause there. The Cardinals' payroll is $25 million larger than the Brewers. Their radio station, KMOX, is one of the most legendary stations in the 50s, 60s, and 70s when the Cardinals' fan base was expanding while Major League Baseball was expanding. And they dominated the Midwest for so many years. That's why you see so many Cardinals fans here. I mean, Cardinals and Cubs dominated the Midwest for so long before you saw the Kansas City A's come about, before you saw the westward expansion that... For a long time, St. Louis was the westernmost team until the move to Los Angeles and San Francisco. So it's a different market than Milwaukee, to be fair to Milwaukee. But to the follow-up to that is, it is on ownership. You're absolutely right. Built the new stadium. You're putting in amenities now, thanks to all of these postseason runs. The day of reckoning is arriving this offseason and next offseason. The plan has to come to fruition now. Now, Craig Council's talked about this a lot, too. It's a good thing that you're disappointed about not making the postseason, which means the expectations are greater, which means the disappointment is greater. The Brewers have the ball in their court to make something happen. When it comes to trying to compare yourself against the Cardinals, I see it. Both teams, I mean, Cardinals are about to make it to their fifth straight postseason. And for the Brewers, obviously the rival, 1982, yada, yada, you've heard all that. But the Brewers have put themselves in a conversation of a well-run organization that has trust in their in their teams, has trust in their front office. I mean, this has been the best window of success in team history. Five straight full-season winning records. That has never happened in Brewers history. Ever. That's worth something. I'm not saying it's perfect. Stay passionate. Stay critical. Stay fair. But this is a beautiful thing about becoming a legitimate contender. Where here you are on a team that you expected to win, right? And you're mad that you didn't make it in. Any team, no matter who you are, will be mad that you didn't make it in. But most teams, if you don't make it in, and it's maybe it's a bunch of, you know, this is the window, this is it. Oh, it's catastrophic if they don't make it. I don't think it's as catastrophic. Because you do have the main horses coming back and... You can point to a few things, injuries. You can point to a lot of things with the Spurs team. Obviously, a lack of performance is one, but you could really start see it start to fall apart in late May when the first injuries started to come about. I do want to welcome in our analyst here on the show. He's going to be with us for a long time on the show, Vinny Rotino, coming in here on the show as well. Vinny, I look back to the end of May when Willie Adamas got hurt in that series in Miami. Then Freddie Peralta gets hurt. Uh, against the Nationals. And then Brandon Woodruff gets hurt in St. Louis. That two-week or so span is when the Brewers started to go their slide in June. 
And then it was just too little too late. The damage was done, in my opinion. And then, you know, the Josh Hader trade really messed with everyone's psyche. But I look back to that last couple weeks in May, early June, is ah, that's where a lot of the season, a lot of opportunity was lost. Oh, absolutely, Dom. That's that's where it all began to start to roll down the hill the opposite direction, right? I mean, you're pushing the rock up the hill, and then it falls right on top of you because of that Freddie Peralta trade. And I think you can definitely, or, you know, really that, that whole cascade of trades, uh, I'm sorry, trades, injuries, <laughs> the whole cascade of injuries right there. That, um, But the big one for me was Freddie Peralta, because if you guys remember, they had a six-man rotation last year. They had nobody go on the IL, notwithstanding Brett Anderson, just take him out of the equation, just of their core five starting pitchers in Woodruff, Burns, Hauser, Lauer, and Peralta. They had nobody get hurt except Freddie Peralta last year for about a month with that shoulder injury after he took a swing in Colorado. So they were healthy all year long, and that was kind of unprecedented. And they did have the six-man rotation. They had the benefit of having that six-man rotation all season long and they were on quite a run. I mean, even Adrian Hauser was pitching beautifully. Eric Lauer put himself on the map. So when Freddie Peralta got hurt this year, it 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 really hamstrung them in terms of the ability to go to that six man rotation and, and continue to have, you know, the full days of rest for their starting pitchers, which does matter. Analytics and the data have, have proven that that matters when you get that extra day of rest. You're a little bit more fresh. It definitely matters in the bullpen side of things. They've done studies on that. But it, that's where it all started. Guys just weren't as effective, you know, consistently, with the exception of Brandon Woodruff. Uh, we even saw Corbin Burns have, have a few bad outings, especially, and it really took a toll on him in August and September, right? He, he, he kind of struggled, you know, quite frankly, in those two months. Um, and so that's where I think it all fell apart is those cascade of injuries that you mentioned in May. Um, and from there on, it was kind of an uphill battle. They played 500 baseball for the rest of the way. That's just not going to get it done. It proved not to be able to get it done, get in the playoffs this year. What do you think is the number one priority this coming offseason for the Brewers? If you're David Stearns and Matt Arnold, when the free agency season opens up and you can talk to your players again and you can figure out what you want to do, what do you want to do? What is your number one priority for the Brewers this offseason? Oh boy. I mean, they need a they need a bat. They need a bat that can hit and hit with power on a consistent basis. Those guys don't grow on trees. How how you, there's like 10 of them in baseball, right? The, that hit right around 300, that drive-in runs, that slug. There's not that many of them and they cost a lot of money. How are you going to find that guy? I I think you know Without, you know, maybe maybe they go ahead and trade for somebody um, that is kind of up and coming. They've done that, right? So uh, they've kind of identified some players that are up and coming. I don't even know what that name would be. Kind of a guy that is on the verge of kind of breaking out and becoming a star at the next level um, or at the major league level. I don't know what name that is, but it's it's, it's probably a guy that definitely needs to play third base. Uh, and, and can hit in the middle of your order and can be that, um, I call it li- kind of a lineup anchor, right? So that guy is always looming in the batting order for opposing pitching staff. They always have to plan around like, okay, we got to get this guy out. And then, so we don't have to face, you know, this player with runners on base. Um, and 
Christian Yelich used to be that guy, right? And that's that's the thing. He used to be that guy. I think the organization was planning on him being that guy for the duration of his contract. Unfortunately, he just hasn't been that guy in the last two years. And so they need to find that guy. I don't know who it is. Um, they're going to get creative. You know that. They're going to try and find ways to add a player like that uh, to be that lineup anchor in the middle. 855-616-1620, the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line, 855-616-1620. We've got a long show ahead of us. I want to get to a couple more texts. Uh, I know we've got a couple callers on the line as well. Stay patient. We're going to get to you guys coming up after the commercial here in just a little bit. But I want to get to a text from Doug, and I, I, I want to present this to you, Vinny. Doug texting in, even with the last game of the year, the stay true to form. A close game, only two runs, and the bullpen fails again. But it doesn't matter. Bring on 2023 and this new blood. Haven't been this excited about young players since Fielder, Weeks, and Hardy. I can see playoffs next year. I do. We are going to talk a lot about the young guys. Uh, in case you all missed it this week, Jackson Trudio was named Robin Yount Player of the Year in the minor league organization for the Brewers as far as all minor league players. Made it to AA. He's only 18 years old. Had a chance to catch up with Garrett Green, the AA voice of the Biloxi Shuckers, today in the press box. And I asked him just straight up, is Jackson Chorio that guy? Is he that guy? And he, without hesitation, looked at me. He said, absolutely. You can be excited about a kid that's 18 years old in AA. He may not even start the year in AA next year. He may go back to high A. But he's 18 years old. He's going to be a top five prospect in the offseason rankings. While you have an immense amount of position player talent in AAA, Vinny, Sal Freelich, Este Uri Ruiz, Joey Weimer, Bryce Terang, Mario Feliciano, all position players that are worthy to be excited about for the Brew Crew right now. This is such an odd feeling for the Brewers that we've been excited for pitching for so, so long. Now, you're excited about the position players and the talent and the speed and the athleticism you're about to see. Is that valid from Doug? Bring in the young blood. How much of that young blood do you want to see? Yeah, no, I, I think that that's the direction. If I had to guess, again, I, I haven't heard any rumors or anything, any kind of news on this front, um, you know, through my connections just around the game, not only with the Brewers, I, I have connections with, with scouts around the game. I, I haven't heard anything as to where, what direction they are going to go. If I had to guess, it would be go young, right? It would be, you know, um, you know, obviously not pick up the Colton Wong uh, extension or the team option. I mean, it would be, um, you know, giving, you know, perhaps a, uh, you know, the Bryce Terangs um, of the organization or Mario Feliciano, the ability to play every day. And those guys can develop at the major league level. What that's going to do to your lineup and what that's going to do to your team and to your clubhouse, it's going to bring energy. It's going to bring lots of energy. It's going to bring fans to the, to the seats, right? I mean, we're all excited. Yes, absolutely. We're excited about seeing these guys play and what they can bring. Um, I, the Jackson Chirillo thing, yes, that is real. That is a, a Prince Fielder type of prospect. I remember when Prince was just 18 years old and hitting balls over the batter's eye in the minor, at the minor league complex. I've never seen anything like it, right? This is the same type of special talent in Jackson Chirillo at the same age, at 18, already in double-A. Um, we could see him as early as next year uh, at the major league level. He'll probably hit his way onto the major league roster at some point next year. That is my guess. He is, he is a special talent. And then, um, yeah, and then Sal Freelick is the other guy that's going to go ahead and just outperform um, everybody at, at the minor league level, and he's going to go ahead and force their hand to bring him up. That's my prediction as well. And then Joey Weimer is a, 
is a Corey Hart type of a, of a prospect. Corey Hart wasn't mentioned there with the excitement of those prospects back in the early 2000s, but, but Joey Weimer is that type of a talent. He's, he's, you know, the talent and the, the raw talent and the feeling is off the charts. You just got to put it all together. Um, obviously, we saw what Garrett Mitchell can do and the ability to play defense out in center, and then he even hit. Uh, and then the other guy is interesting is Tyler Black. He had a really good year. He's a second rounder in two, 2021. So there's, and I'm just even I'm just scratching the surface with some of the names. I mean, Jefferson Kiro, like you mentioned, Dom, he's a really exciting catching prospect as well. So there's a lot of guys. Um, you, get, you know, even the guys you know get like Robert Gasser. Perhaps he turns into an Eric Lauer type of a of an arm for the starting rotation. So there's a lot of reason to be excited. My guess, like I said, is they will go young next year with the starting uh, nine in the, in the uh, field. And then they're going to try and just piece it together. And um, I mean, they still have the arms, right? So we just, I guess we just don't know whether or not, you know, everyone's going to come back from that starting rotation. I, you know, wouldn't surprise me if there is some sort of kind of creative deal that moves one of these guys. Um, I, I just, again, haven't heard anything. I just wouldn't be surprised. But it'll it'll definitely be a different-looking roster, in my opinion. Um, and uh, we'll see where, where it goes. Yeah, I agree. I, I like the young blood thought. I think there is a lot of excitement on the way, but it does depend on what David Stearns and Matt Arnold decide to wheel and deal this coming offseason. We are just getting started in a massive, extended Brewers extra innings for the end of the regular season. We're going to look to the playoffs. We're going to look at the way-too-early 2023 starting lineup. We're going to look around the league. We're going to make our award predictions. we got a lot to get to, and your texts and your calls. Don't worry. We're going to get to you guys on hold as well, so stay sit tight. We'll get to you guys, Mike. Uh, we'll get to you after the break here in just a little bit. We have the news coming up here at the top of the hour with Adam, and then we'll be right back here with more Brewers Extra Innings. We'll be with you for another two hours, you guys. We're going all the way to 9 o'clock tonight, so stay put, sit tight, Join in on the text line, 855-616-1620, or you can tweet me at Dom underscore Catronio. Go grab yourself a beverage, crack open a cold one, do whatever we need to do. Sit back, relax. Let's talk about the Brewers all night long. Stay tuned right here on your home of the Brewers, WTMJ. All right. We're going to get happy. We're going to get positive. We're going to have some more fun. I'm Dominic Catronio. This is Brewers Extra Innings. Brewers fall 4-2. to Back-to-back homers in the ninth, did the men. Tough one again for the bullpen. Vinny Rutino is still with us as well. Vinny, when I look at this team, and we're getting some quotes from the dugout as well, and if you want to participate in the show, by the way, 855-616-1620. In the feeling the last couple of days, as far as the reaction to, man, we really were closer than we realized. You know, the ping-pong quote from Brandon Woodruff the other night. Corbin Burns just saying, according to Adam McCalvey, I feel like if this team comes back next year, it's a much better result. They maybe just didn't realize how close they really were at the end of the day, and it ended far sooner than they imagined. Yeah, very. Um, it's just it was just weird. <laughs> That's the best adjective I can use to describe it. Very millennial of me to say so, but like. It was very weird, the, just the vibe from the team, from the clubhouse, um, for, for that last you know run, really. I mean, ever since the trade deadline, really. It was, it was just a weird vibe all around the last two months of the season. Um, they just couldn't get out of that funk. They couldn't get anything going. They didn't, it, it 
felt like they didn't really want it, want it, <laughs> right? I mean, they didn't want it and they didn't take it. That, that's what it felt like. That's what it looked like. And that was the first time I've seen this from this Milwaukee Brewers team in the, since Craig Council's tenure, right? Since he took over. This is the first time I've seen that kind of culture, uh, that clubhouse culture. And, and Corbin Bird's probably right, like, because an offseason to, to kind of get over, you know, that last two months could do them right. And all of a sudden, you know, you, you have a different mindset. Yeah, you're hungrier. Um, you, you still have a lot of the you know, core pieces intact, especially from the pitching staff. So um, I, I think that's all that was missing, that, that will, that want to win um, in the last two months of the season. That's what did them in. I agree. Well, let's get back to the phone lines here as well. 855-616-1620. Again, 855-616-1620. Want to get to Mike, who's been waiting patiently through the break and waiting for a while on the first half of the segment on the show. Mike, you're live on Brewers Extra Innings. Hey, thanks for taking my call. A couple of things. Number one, uh, why isn't Craig Council ever being held accountable for just miserable pitching decisions throughout the game? We were there the night of the uh, the Mets game. We were ahead four to nothing, going through six innings. He brings a guy in. He brings in Boxberger, hits the guy at first pitch, single home run. Next guy brings in Rogers, walk, 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 grand, uh, out in grand slam. I mean, the guy has no degree. Craig Council has no degree of urgency. Throughout the season, he says it's a long season. He's squandered so many games throughout the year that they had a chance when they don't. He does not play offense. It's like watching five-year-old T-ball that a person luckily gets a hit and stays on first base for the rest of the inning because nobody else gets a hit. There's no running. There's no nothing. This guy's got no degree of urgency. He's got no passion, no degree of urgency, and no killer instinct. That's the problem with the Brewers. And now he's squandered all this pitching throughout these years. These guys are coming home to roost. We're going to lose all this pitching we've always had that was the strength of this team. It's going to be gone. He's got a team of non-contact hitting people that cannot work a count past three pitchers or four. And as a result, the opposing pitchers never go past 80 or 90 pitches after five or six. And our pitchers are at 100 pitches after five every single outing. And this guy refuses to change his psyche. It's all based upon a computer printout instead of what's happening right now. Craig Council is a thrust of the problem of the why we've lost this year, period. All right. Thank you for your thoughts there, Mike. Appreciate you hopping on here. Uh, I'm just going to be straight up here, Vinny, and I know you're going to agree with me here. I couldn't. I don't think I agreed with a single thing he said there. Um, when it comes to the pitches, like only C3, four pitches, Brewers led baseball in pitches per plate appearance. They drew, they were in the top three in walks in baseball this year. Yes, they struck out a lot. I'll give them that. They struck out a lot. But that's, that's false. Second of all, he just pointed to one game with the Mets as the reason why they lost. Look, you need to throw your arms, right? You, you need to throw your guys when you have them. And Brad Boxberger is here to compete. And I, I want to say, Brad Boxberger actually finished the season strong. It looked a little shaky there in August. He finished the season very strong. I want to give kudos to Brad Boxberger because he's appeared in the most games of the Brewers in the last two years. He appeared in his 70th game of the year this year. And Brad Boxberger really rided the ship here in the second half. He had a bad outing. Yes, he had a bad outing in that one game against the Mets. He had a couple bad outings in August. That's fine. Taylor Rogers. that was the day that it really the ship really sunk. But the point is... Devin Williams can't throw three innings. Hobie Milner is a one-inning guy, and he had been used in those scenarios. You have to throw guys. 
They're big leaguers for a reason. And because guys failing to execute, that doesn't fall on counsel. It falls on the players not executing. You are the these are the players that were brought to him. He is told you need to use these guys. And quite frankly, there was enough trust built with Brad Boxberger to keep using him. I'm totally fine with that. Taylor Rogers was acquired in exchange for Josh Hader. He had a string of lefties coming up, and then he couldn't get them out. Then he has to face the switch hitter Lindor, and he tags him for a grand slam in that one game. Craig Council shouldn't get... It's easier to blame Craig Council, the manager, because it's easier to fire the manager than fire the players. But that's just an example of guys didn't execute. No, I completely disagree there, Mike. This is not on Craig Council. This is not on you know, his choosings in the bullpen. It's about the fact that guys didn't execute in a lack of performance, in my opinion. Yeah, and at the end of the day, you know, I, look, first of all, you know, I, I appreciate Mike's sentiments there, right? I mean, everyone's got their opinions on, on this season. Everyone's got their opinions, especially in these last two months and how the team performed. And we 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 feel the pain, right? I mean, so it was a discipline. I think it was so disappointing that I think, there is a, a decent population of people that are kind of feeling what Mike is feeling right now. However, what you have to remember is this team played in so many close games. I mean, how many times do we hear BA and rock or Jeff Levering and rock talk about it? Oh, it looks like this is a repeat of last night, a repeat of, I mean, the last two weeks of everything is so tight and so close. So what happens? You have to throw your leverage arms, your best bullpen arms in those situations, which have been, the Holby Milners, which have been the Peter Strzleckis. You know, Matt Bush was on a run there for a little bit after the deadline. Obviously, Devin Williams and, and Brad Boxberger. So those five guys, and I'm probably missing someone in there as well, but it, and Trevor Gott was hurt, right? And so you had injuries in there as well. So so these guys are pitching in high-leverage situations. They it, Devin Williams certainly can't throw three innings, and he certainly can't throw, you know, he can't throw three days in a row or four days in a row. I think we saw him throw three days in a row twice this year. So they need rest. If they don't get rest, and again, yes, there is some data and analytics. Don't what people have to remember? Don't you have, They're trying to gain some sort of competitive advantage. And what the data and analytics have shown with bullpen usage is that the more rest, there, there's an ideal uh, amount of rest for a player that they're going to be at their best. If they're not at their best then all of a sudden, you know, they they might as well just be a non-leverage guy. So you actually cannot throw those guys as much as you would like to. And 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 kudos to Brad Boxberger throwing another 70 appearances. Wow. I mean, just the ability to take the ball. And we've seen – he needed a week off in the middle of that second half right there. I mean, he needed the, the time off to get rested, and that's why. So I think people um, – despite all the disappointment that I'm feeling too, that Dom, you're feeling too, you have to remember Craig Council is using the data, the analytics as a tool to help put the best team on the field and put them into positions that they can succeed and win games. Um, He was hamstrung by injuries. He was hamstrung by the usage. I mean, just the straight up usage that he had to throw these guys into. um, it, It was, it was a big deal and they didn't have much help in AAA in terms of the you know, bullpen guys that they can bring up and shuttle back and forth. Um, I think that's probably something that they're going to address in the offseason, maybe sign a few more guys that can pitch at the major league level to, to high-dollar minor league deals where you can shuttle them back and forth, right, with options, something like that. You know, that, that's the way that this team does get creative. I mean, look at the Trevor Gott signing. They signed him to a major league deal 
when everyone else is offering him minor league deals after a terrible year, they identified something. Now all of a sudden this guy is a leverage guy for, for the Brewers. I'm getting long winded here, but my point is they're going to need to address that if they're going to continue to not score. And that was really the, the issue at bay. They didn't add on to leads. And, and Mike was, I actually agree with Mike as far as like, they're, they're too Homer reliant. It was a walk, walk, three run Homer. That's what they were playing for. And you just, you're not going to be able to win like that. They were last year because of the script of five, six innings from your elite starting pitching staff, the six-man rotation, and then you had Boxberger, um, Williams, and Hader to absolutely shut it down. And that was a script they followed all the way to 90-plus wins, 95 wins last year. So um, I think at the end of the day, that's not this team anymore, and they're going to have to find a way to score runs and add on to leads a little bit more consistently. Great takes there. I want to get, keep on the bullpen subject here. A few texts coming in. One from Ray in Illinois. Thanking also the radio crew. I want to give a shout-out to, of course, Mr. Baseball Bob Uecker. I want to give a shout-out, of course, to Lane Grindle, Jeff Levering, Josh Maurer for a great season of baseball on the radio. Thank you for all your hard work and your uh, your time on the road, your time away from your families. Thanks to all of our guys. They are great, great dudes. But Ray's asking about the closer position and the bullpen. Will it be Williams, or do they have to look in a different direction? Also, I hope that they can figure out how to get here uh, get Hira some regular playing time. More on that a little bit later on in the show. When he plays regularly, he can show what he can do. But let's talk about Williams here and talk about the bullpen a little bit briefly, Vinny. The fact that, in my opinion, there is, for me, Devin Williams is your closer without a doubt moving into 2023. And people are saying, oh, he's not ready, he's not ready. No, no, no. I believe that this offseason is going to be good for him. Knowing he's the guy, second of all, He's healthy. We all know how last season ended. He's healthy. He gets to sit. He gets to relax. He gets to rest. He gets to understand and get in the right headspace of saying, I'm the guy now. They trust me. Even a year after making a mistake and the mistake that he made of punching a wall, that he has now come back. It's a great redemption story that I think we've overlooked this season for Devin Williams. I am very excited to see him be the closer next season and maybe reach a new level of excellence uh, for his young, budding, big league career? Devin Williams, yeah, he's the closer. That is flat out. I mean, unless barring like some sort of blockbuster deal or something like that, which certainly, again, <laughs> be ready for anything. But, I mean, he's the guy. I mean, a 193 RA, a 101 whip. I mean, he was absolutely outstanding. 16 innings pitched, gave up 31 hits in 60, point, in 60 and two-thirds innings pitched. That's, that's such a low number of hits to give up. I mean, guys just don't get hits off of him. I mean, to put that into perspective, a good innings to hit ratio is a little bit under one. So if you give up a hit every inning, you're you're a pretty good pitcher. Okay, um, you know you're a major league average pitcher. Devin Williams is giving up less than half, right right around a half a hit per inning. So he doesn't give up hits. Guys don't hit him. Guys don't see him. He strikes out everybody. We did a thing on the pre- and post-game show about the guys that are leading the league in strikeouts per nine. All of those guys that are leading the league in strikeouts per nine throw almost 100 miles an hour for their average fastball. Devin Williams' average fastball is 93. Okay, so some, some nights he's 92. We've seen that. Some nights he's up to 96, right? So his average fastball is 93, and he's punching out guys left and right. Why is that? Because of that devastating changeup, and then he's got a deceptive fastball to go with it. That, that thing has, has a rise quality to it. It's got really good carry through the zone, so he's very deceptive. He's got probably the best changeup 
maybe, with all due respect to Trevor Hoffman, maybe even better than Trevor Hoffman. Whoa, 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 whoa. Maybe. I'd like to see the study on that with the data analytics, but <laughs> it'd probably be close because, I mean, it's just it's just devastating, that change of point. And he is on. He's unhittable. He's the closer. What a great year for him. Um, and, yeah, I mean, I know that he gave that one up at the end of the year, but you can't hold him to that. It was an outstanding year. In fact, he, he threw some really, really high-pressure situations, and, and he looked really, really good in those situations. And um, it, it, because of that, I think he can, he can definitely be in that closer role. I don't even think there's a question about it. I like it. I appreciate the thoughts there from you as well, Vinny Rettino. 855-616-1620. 855-616-1620. A lot of text talking about offense, and our next caller also has some thoughts about the offense. I want to get to Pat here in Milwaukee. Pat, you are live on Brewers Extra Innings. Hey, thanks for uh, letting me in the chat. Yeah, I'd like to say a couple of your callers uh, hit it right on as far as I'm concerned, although I was thinking Greg Council was a great pitching manager for pitching all year long, well, for the last three or four seasons. But there is one area that he falls down and our whole team does, and that is definitely the hitting. We've got about four pitchers out there that were hungry for two or three more wins this year. They couldn't get them because they couldn't get the hits. We definitely do need to get rid of almost the whole infield, even including Adamas. We can't sacrifice anybody. We need experience in the clubhouse. We need guys that can hit 380, 280, 290 and hit home runs. Not Telez, who can't hit 240 and hit a lot of home runs. We need guys that can produce even without home runs. And it is like a T-ball game out there. These guys can't get on base when you need them. They've got to keep uh, Yelich in the game to see if he ever comes back. We've got two good outfielders. We've got to keep them. But we do need that youth coming up, but we need some really good experience in the in the dugout. I agree. Yeah, that's a great thought there, Pat. Yeah. appreciate you calling in uh, as far as the offense goes. When it when I look at this lineup though, Vinny, when I look at what the team is built around and what you know what league I mean league average, I'm gonna double check. I'm pretty sure coming into the day was about 244, if I'm not mistaken. So you got to take that with a grain of salt. 280 hitters don't grow on trees anymore. It just doesn't happen. But the Brewers have some bat to ball skills guys in the minor leagues, like the Sal Freelix of the world, like the Este Ruizes of the world that also have speed. So they can be a very different identity next season. When it comes to the entire infield, yeah, third base is a fair critique. Second base will absolutely be gone, I imagine, in Colton Wong. I, I'm not ready to give up on Telez or Adamas. I, didn't, I just said earlier in the show though, that they weren't untouchable, but if, if Rowdy's going to hit, he had a down second half, but if Rowdy's going to hit 240 to 250 with 30 homers and flirting with 100 RBIs, and then, mind you, Willie missed almost... 25, 30 games, and he still hit over 30 homers, and he still almost got to 100 RBIs as your shortstop. That's not a power-hitting position. The Brewers were one homer shy of having three guys hit 30 homers, which I don't think they were expecting that this offseason with Hunter Renfro, Willie Adamas, and Rowdy Telez. Renfro came one shy of hitting 30 homers. I, I think if you can get those three guys to 25 homers with a... Rowdy hitting 240, Willie hitting 260, Renfro Renfro ended up being a leading hitter hitting 250. You know, if you can complement those guys with the Freelix at the top of the order, with the Mitchells at the top of the order, with the Elges at the top of the order, with on-base percentage in the 360s to 380s and the 390s where they're on base, 
that could be a good formula moving forward for this team. Yeah. Yeah, and, and at the end of the day, here here's the thing. You you definitely don't want to get rid of your power bats that are cheap, right, in, in Willie Adamas and Rowdy Telez. So I do disagree there uh, with, like, just getting rid of the entire infield, obviously. Um, Luis Arias is a guy that I think that they expected to take a big step forward, and he did not. He had a 739 OPS. It's kind of a similar year that he had last year, although you could argue that he had – um, after that, what, once Willie Adamas came aboard, he absolutely took off, and he really didn't stop hitting. This year, he was just so up and down; he really couldn't find his, his footing all year long. And now, I think the front office is probably worried about whether or not who, who this guy is and whether or not he can take a step forward. So that I thought was a huge bat in the lineup that didn't show up this year. Remember as well. And Omar Narvaez was an all-star last year, and pairing him with Manny Pena last year, they really provided really solid production from the catching position. They didn't get much from the catching position aside from a few big hits from Victor Caratini. I mean, Omar Narvaez had a really down year, right? So they didn't get much there as well. So um, those are the two, you know, really big bats that they were missing this year. I mean, I, I think that just because – you didn't get much production from catcher, and you didn't get much production from Luis Ruiz. Like That can do it, right? That can do it for a team if you just all of a sudden have inconsistent at-bats from, from guys that were probably, arguably, you know, pretty close to your top, like, all-around hitters. I'm not talking about slug. I'm not talking about, they, they, you know, just hitters, like the hit tool. Like, between Omar and Arvaez, I mean, he was awesome before the all-star break. He got, I think he got a little worn down and tired, but he, he was spraying the ball over the yard. Same thing with Luis Rios. All of a sudden, those guys weren't as productive, or those positions weren't as productive, and all of a sudden, that, that can take away from your lineup in a heartbeat because you just need nine. You need nine guys that are going to be productive. And, yes, someone is going to argue, well, you know, the Willie Thomases and the uh, Rowdy Telezes weren't very consistent either, but you're getting power production from them. Right, so that's the difference. You are getting power production from them, um, and so yeah, I, I think I, I definitely think those were the two holes this year on the offensive side of things, and that's that's all it can take sometimes. Yeah, it's very they're they're a team that's they're obviously not perfect, but they're a team that's a lot closer than a lot of other teams. Like right now, would you take the Twins or the Brewers next year? A hundred out of a hundred would take the Brewers. Because yeah. the Twins got a lot of issues going on with contracts, injuries to their star players. Correa might opt out. They don't have any pitching whatsoever. They do not have a farm system whatsoever. These are two teams right that have underwhelmed this season, but I would take the future of the Brewers over the future of the Twins right now. And I would also look at the White Sox. Good call from Tommy, our producer. The White Sox, I mean, what a weird year for them, too. The Brewers... It was a weird year, and I do want to address a text coming in here. Is David Stearns on the hot seat? Uh, Taylor texting that in as well. What's the future for Taylor, t- uh, for David Stearns, for Matt Arnold? What did that look like? For me, I'm not putting him on a hot seat. I'm putting him on like a microwave seat, meaning it's like, hey, it's slowly getting warm. I'm not putting pressure on it, but at the same time, I, I take that back. I'm not, putting, I'm not going to say not putting pressure on it. I'm going to say this offseason – is going to be very important from the front office in David Stearns. Because there is so much to replace, there is a clear flaw with this team as far as situational hitting and as far as bat-to-ball skills. And you do need to replace some stuff in the bullpen. So 
it is going to be a very important offseason coming up for David Stearns and Matt Arnold and company. And there's always going to be the allure and the rumors that you're going to see swirling around the Brewers. Oh, so-and-so is on the trading block. Or David Stearns is going to leave for the Mets. Or David Stearns is going to leave for whatever team. It's going to be an important season for the Brewers to get back on track and back into the postseason for 2023. Yeah, absolutely. I, I wouldn't put him on the hot seat. Um, he's done a really nice job. Obviously, he's done a great job. I mean, considering, you know, to be in the small market team and then, you know, making some key trades over the years. Obviously, this trade at the deadline is going to stick with him um, and going to be viewed as a negative until Robert Gasser and Estuary Reeves, if they ever, you know, pan out. If, if, you know, if they do pan out and in our very instrumental players, obviously, then you can look back and say it was a, a brilliant move. But we're not going to know that for about three years. So, um, it's uh, yeah. I don't think he's on the hot seat. I think they've actually this group has done a nice, a really nice job of making it to the playoffs consecutive years in a row. Um, they put a winner on the field. They the Brewers have never played this consistent of winning baseball in the history of the franchise. So I mean, and, and they've done it. And, and David Stearns, Matt Arnold have done it with players that. You know, right away in 2017 when they made that run with that with the Tyler Thornburg deal, right, with all those players from the Tyler, Tyler Thornburg deal, with um, you know Travis Shaw, and um, and then and then the Trent Grisham deal. I mean, that was. I mean, the Brewers won that deal like you wouldn't even. I mean, that is a blockbuster trade for for the century. I mean, Trent Grisham has been bad, and and Eric Lauer has been sneaky, one of the best pitchers in all of baseball. This year, I mean, that was such a good deal. Obviously, we talked about Luis Arias and a little bit of a down year, but it was a great deal. I mean, they've done a, a lot of these deals. The Trevor God signing for this year. I mean, and then just the ability to to develop pitchers. I mean, let's not forget he let uh, uh, Johnson walk to go to Cincinnati and brought in Chris Hook. Like, like that. That is under the radar. A very smart move. Um, that's not going to be viewed really by anybody that that was that smart of a move. But Chris Hook has been so good with the starting pitcher. He's the CEO of the Brewers pitching, right? That's kind of what he is is termed uh, for people. He's kind of the CEO of pitching. And he he just leads all the pitchers from from the Dominican Summer League all the way up to the big leagues. And he he leads these guys and he gets them and he develops them um, to be productive major league pitchers. And he's done it to a number of guys. So, I don't know. I, I'm just again rambling a little bit, but I don't just think a little bit in any way, shape, or form. Uh, Stern Stern is on the hot seat right now. I agree. I want to get to one more caller before we take a quick breather here. I want to get to Luke in Brookfield. We're talking a little more about this season and what's gone wrong. Next segment, we're going to look ahead and looking around at what to get excited about. But Luke, you want to talk about what went wrong this season? You're live on Brewers X Trainings. Awesome. Hey, appreciate you guys having me on. Um, heard the past couple callers complaining a little bit about the offense. Um, I don't think necessarily that was the the true issue as far as why we didn't get to where we wanted to be as a team. I think more so if you you look at the bullpen, I felt there was a lot of games going late in the innings where, you know, it just got away. Um, I I know we had some pieces like got that we brought in that did kind of service better than what maybe other markets have felt about those guys, but we didn't have the lockdown back end bullpen like previous years. You look at the offense, we had, three guys I think that were mentioned that had 30 homers. We didn't have a single guy with 30 homers last year. So I think there was a lot of games that were lost late in innings that in previous seasons we hadn't lost those games. And that's what held us back from, you know, being a 95 win ball club. And you, you look at the fact that 
we went three and fifteen against the Pirates, Reds, and Cubs for a stretch in like July or August, I believe. You can't have that and be a playoff team. So at the end of the day, you know, 120 deaths in Florida are now blamed on Hurricane Ian. With stay with us there, we uh, had a live New Biden visited Florida. Just want to make sure that we get back to it. And it looks like we lost him, but uh, appreciate the thoughts there, Luke. As far as the bullpen goes, uh, but when it comes to the bullpen, I want to bring, I want to have this stat for you here, Vinny. The Brewers, another one today, right? The Brewers played in a ton of games decided by three runs or fewer, and. Yes, you're going to play a lot of close games, but that means three runs if you're either direction, right? Where you're losing by three or winning by three, and that was the final score or less, right? The Brewers played the eighth most games in baseball decided by three or fewer runs, 106 games now after today's record, and yet there were 10 games over 500 in those games too, 58 and 48. That winning percentage actually puts them right on the fringe of the top 10 for winning percentage in those games. But I think it comes back to you're gassing your arms every single day in close contests, and the bullpen faltered late, and I'll say it over and over again, the hater trade turned out to be, you know, you're you're subtracting from a strength, and you're never going to get back to what that strength was, no matter how much you try to add to it. He's an all-star caliber, one of the best ever to do it closer, doesn't matter how many guys you're going to bring in. It's not going to be easy to replace that kind of a guy. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I it is the elephant in the room, right? I mean, it was the deal that not only kind of disrupted the clubhouse chemistry, but also it, it took away from a very strong winning piece of the team, although he was faltering, and he did falter when he got over to San Diego. So who really knows how that would have played out? It's, it's it, it's impossible to say. It's impossible to tell. We know how it played out for the Brewers. I mean, Taylor Rogers just never got back to form. Matt Bush was pretty good. He was okay, but he was certainly not like a lockdown, you know, eighth inning guy or seventh inning guy, really, that the Brewers really were hoping that he would be um, after that deal. He, he is under control for, you know, the next three years, and he's a good arm. It is going to be a productive arm for the Brewers. I just don't know if he's going to be that back end. You know, you know, even a Brad Boxberger type of production um, from Matt Bush is going to be solid, though. But um, it, it, yeah, I mean, they, they, they. I, I do agree, though, that you know, when you lose those close games, and they did lose a number of them, um, without the back end of the pen, you feel as a team, it's 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 a little bit psychological in nature because yeah, then you'll. You'll blow a, late, a lead late against the Pittsburgh Pirates or something or the Chicago Cubs, and then at the start of a series, and all of a sudden you, you're thinking to yourself, oh, my goodness, well, we got to take these next two games um, against the Cubs at Wrigley, and, and it just doesn't work out like that. So you put more pressure on yourself when you don't lock down those games late. I do think that that was a factor as well. So I think the caller is right. Um, it, offense, the, the problem, the thing I disagree about, with him and we just touched on it earlier is that the offense just couldn't add to any of those leads. So those, those, those leads were in those games are just so tight and every single pitch mattered. And I think that people don't understand like how stressful that is on, on an arm and, you know, psychologically as well on those players when every pitch just is totally, it's just, it's just, it's, just, it's crunch time. Every single pitch, every single uh Delivery, every single mistake is magnified. It, it, it's very difficult to, to play 
that many close games. I agree entirely. we got more to come with Vinny. You're going to stick around for just a little bit longer, Vinny, then we're going to let you enjoy the rest of your night. A ton of texts are rolling in. We're with you guys till 9 o'clock tonight, and it'll be available via pod. Don't worry. We've got a lot to get to still. 855-616-1620. Stay with us. So we're actually going to step away from the Brewers for a moment. We're going to look to the postseason. Yes, even though the Brewers are not in it, we're going to make some brackets right here. We're going to make some bracket predictions with Vinny Rutino still here on the line. Don't go anywhere on the home of the Brewers, WTMJ. Welcome back. Dom Catronio with you here on Brewers Extra Innings. Extended Brewers Extra Innings as it is the finale of the season. The Brewers fall today 4-2. They won two out of three against the Diamondbacks, but they finished the season 86-76. and We still got Vinny Rotino on the line. We're going to take a breather from the Brewers talk right now. And the postseason starts on Friday, Vinny. And the wild card round, first of its kind. The three-game series at... One site. I love that personally. No travel days in between. You play three straight days if necessary in one city. You're the road team versus the home team. No changes or anything like that. Are you excited about just generally real quick about the fact that we're going to have an extra round of playoffs this year? I am. I love the new setup, right? I, I think I think it just allows some teams to stay in it longer, which is always a plus. Um, but, yeah, they would just get more playoff baseball. And I, I also agree. I love that three-game series in one city. It's, it's, it, you're going to go into a hostile environment if you're the road team. And I think some teams are going to, you know, disappoint. You know, I, I think um, I think the Phillies have a really good shot, and I'm going to be rooting like crazy for the Phillies to knock off the cards. As much as, you know, I, I do enjoy the story of Yadier and Wainwright and, and Pujols and all that, I, I do think it's cool. However, I have room for the Phillies to, to go into that hostile environment. It's going to be loud. It's going to be... Uh, energetic in there, and hopefully they can knock off the cards. But yeah, I'm totally with you. It's going to be fun to watch. So an exercise I want us to do here, Vin, we're just going to go back and forth. I have the brackets in front of me. I've got one bracket for you, one bracket for me. And what I'm going to do here is I'm going to take a screenshot of this bracket that we make, and then once the season ends, and I'm going to have you on on Brewers Weekly coming up in you know first week of November, and we're going to look back at these brackets and laugh. All right, so are you ready for this? Yeah, let's do it. All right, let's do this. So let's start with the National League. I think I know where you're leaning here in this 3-6 matchup. The Cardinals, of course, the central winners. The Phillies, the last wild card. That All three games will be in St. Louis. Who are you taking? I mean, as much as I want the Phillies to win, I think the, I think the Cardinals are actually going to take that series. So, uh, yeah. How about right. you? Easy enough. I also think the Cardinals are going to win that series. I just saw the Phillies. Granted, you know, maybe the Phillies can become like a Giants or a Braves, like just get in and they can do it. Man, they can really hit, though. They can really hit. You know what? I'm talking myself out of it. I'm taking the Phillies with an upset. So you've got the Cardinals. I've got the Phillies. The other wild card matchup is the Mets and the Padres, all three games in New York. How about that? Tough luck, Mets. You want 100 games? You're still going to the wild card round, kind of like last year with the Dodgers having to play the one-game playoff against the Cardinals. Mets, Padres, who you got? I got the Mets. I just think their their starting pitching is going to be too good, and they they are they actually are a team built for the playoffs. Um, just with their at bats, um, they have just 
if you want to watch a team that doesn't punch out and just gives you a quality at bat, watch that series. You're going to beat the New York Mets doing that all, all games long. I agree. I agree. I'm also taking the Mets on that one. That seems like a no-brainer to me. Let's shift over to the American League side. Uh, let's look at the American League wild card. The AL Central winner, the Cleveland Guardians, 91 wins, just like everyone expected. The Tampa Bay Rays are the last wild card team in. They're dealing with a lot of injuries. Who do you look at in that first wild card round? Man, I, I mean, the Guardians are just playing such good baseball lately. Um, I think I'm going to take uh, Cleveland. I also take Cleveland. Yeah, I mean, their their pitching is really good. You want to talk about bat-to-ball skills. You want to talk about not striking out. How about Stephen Kwan? How about Rosario? I mean, they have got a heck of a team. You know, they've really it's really worked out since that Francisco Lindor trade. Um, It's been a really, really good. uh, And I also I'm always going to root for Tito Francona. I love Tito. He's the man. So uh, that's an easy one to pick for Cleveland to move on to beat the Rays. Now this is probably the spiciest matchup of them all. The Blue Jays and the Mariners in Toronto. Rogers Center is going to be rocking. Teams match up evenly. There's so many storylines, right? You've got uh, Robbie Ray, who was with the Blue Jays last year, won a Cy Young. Now he signed the extension, the big uh, free agent deal, I should say, with the Mariners. You got Julio Rodriguez, who could be the American League Ricky of the Year. You got Vlad Jr. You got Bo Bichette, who had the best September like ever. You got Alec Manoa. I mean, this is a great matchup between the Blue Jays and the Mariners. Yeah, this is the best matchup on the, on the uh, card right now, in my opinion. But I got the Blue Jays actually winning the World Series. So Whoa. I'm going to take the Blue Jays right there. Yes, I do. I'm going to I'm going to jump ahead of you right there. So I love I love this. I love that. Well, I love why I take the pack. Wrong choice of words. I love the Brewers, but I love watching the Blue Jays play. Though I mean, this so um, a team that talk about a team that plays with energy, a team that plays with fire. I love that about them, and they're they got a really good young core of players, and I think they'll have just enough pitching to get it done. Their bullpen's a little shaky, but I think they're going to hit their way through. See, that's why I'm taking the Mariners. Their bullpen is very shaky. I don't know about who's going to be the stopper, what's going to work out for them. Uh, I'm going to take the Mariners in my bracket in that one. Uh, I think it's going to go all three, and then the big question will lurk about what is going to be the third starter for the Blue Jays? Is it going to be Jose Barrios, who they just signed that big extension to? Or is it going to be Ross Stripling, who's had a great year, but you know maybe politics get involved there uh, as far as who do you choose? All right, now we're into the ALDS. Let's just stay on that side of the bracket here. For your bracket, you've got Astros Blue Jays, which you just alluded to the fact that you have the Blue Jays going all the way. So you have the Blue Jays upsetting Houston and moving yep. on to the ALCS. I do. Houston, wow, what a... What a great team. I, I read a tweet the other day, like, as much as we hate the Astros, we just have to give credit where credit's due. They're, they've been just the best, one of the best teams between them and the Dodgers in the last five years. You can even go back further than that, probably. But um, I, I think I got the Blue Jays upsetting them. All right. I, I've got the Astros. I, the Astros are yeah. my uh, getting my AL pennant winners. So uh, that's a pretty easy decision for me. We both have Cleveland and New York. I think we also are going to lean in the same direction on this one. Yankees ended up with 99 wins. Uh, I think they're just going to be no. too much to handle for the, for the Guardians. No way. After watching them at American Family Field, I mean, the Brewers outplayed the Yankees in that series. I think if you pitch around Aaron Judge, they don't have much on the offensive side of things. Rizzo being back, is the, is that lineup, uh, he, he, can, he can really impact the lineup, just how pesky he can be, and also if you make a mistake, he can hurt you. However... Um, I, I'm just not that impressed with the New York Yankees. This shaky bullpen down the stretch there. I'm going. I'm going Cleveland. Wow. So your ALCS has Blue Jays, yep. Guardians. My ALCS is chalk. 
Astros, and Yankees. Now mm-hmm. let's go down to the NLDS. Uh, we both have Dodgers, Mets, the one versus the four. This has been a crash course all season long. The Dodgers, best record in baseball, 110 wins. They will be the home field winners or leaders throughout the entire playoffs as far as they go. Who do you got, Dodgers and Mets? The Dodgers are just too good. I mean, they're just so impressive. Uh, I think it's going to go seven, though. Yeah. Okay. Or you mean five for the DS? Oh, yeah. I'm sorry. Yep. Five. Yep. All right. So all the way with the Mets, you're going to have probably Scherzer and DeGrom in the wild card series, so they wouldn't pitch till game three and game four of that series. So that's a good take. I like that. But I also think the Dodgers are too much to handle. Uh, The Mets, you know, it's going to be the end of the line for them, but they still have a lot to be excited about coming back. Uh, we don't know about Starling Marte for the Mets. We don't know about some of their bullpen. Uh, they, they've got a lot to figure out, and I don't know if there's enough offense there against the great pitching of the Dodgers. The other half of the NLDS, I think this is a no-brainer between the Braves, and you've got you've got Braves, Cardinals. I've got Braves, Phillies, but for me, it doesn't matter. I'm going to chalk again. I'm going Braves. I think they're one of the best teams that no one's talking about. And yes, they eventually won the East, but for all of June and July, I was like, these guys are so good, so good, and they obviously win the East. Yeah, the Braves are um, very, very good. Like you said, no one's really talking about them, but they they really don't have any holes on their team. And so um, they're just a really solid team all the way around, and they can really hurt you with the bats. Um, Love their offense. And, uh, yeah, I I definitely got them winning and going to the NLCS. I do, too. So we both have chalk in the NLCS of Dodgers-Braves, a rematch of last year. Well, since I already know your American League pick, that you're saying it's Blue Jays over Guardians, I'm saying it's Astros over Yankees once again uh, in the ALCS. You know, Yankees continue to be the little brother of the Astros uh, in the ALCS. Uh, They're going to be... You know, caught up in the trash can thing for the last five years, and they can't get over it. Yada yada. So I'm going with the Astros once again. I think they're that good to be the AL uh, pennant winners. And you've got the Blue Jays being the AL pennant winners. Who's your NL pennant winner? Um, I, I got the Braves upsetting uh, the the Dodgers again to go to the World Series. So I, again, they're just they're just they got that mojo going, man. I mean, just the and let's not forget they've been playing really meaningful baseball uh, in the last month trying to win, um, you know, the the, the uh, East there and, and edging out the Mets. So when they did it, they earned it, and they're going to go all the way. Yeah, I, I, I like that take, and I go flip-flop on this back and forth all the time. Like, man, the story writes itself. Freddie going back to Atlanta, going to have to face them, and how emotional he was in that, and that the, the clubhouse kind of reacted poorly to it after all the ovations and all the agent drama and all that stuff. But still, despite all that, I am still going to take the Dodgers, and I have the most boring bracket on the planet. I am taking the Dodgers. I have two one seeds in the World Series. I got the two best records, the two best teams in the World Series. You've got the Blue Jays and the Braves. Now, that will be a thoroughly entertaining home run hitting World Series, and you already hinted to it. Are the Blue Jays your World Series champions in 2022? They are. They are. Again, it's... You know, the percentage of that actually happening, I don't know. It's probably low, but I do like, again, I, I think the, the, the youth of that group, I think the um, how hungry they are, um, I, I think with the new manager and John Schneider, I, I know a bunch of people in the game, they love him. They think he's an excellent manager. He's gotten those guys to play well lately. So I think they're going to do it. For me, my World Series matchup, Dodgers-Astros rematch of the infamous 2017 World Series. 
I think the Astros validated. I think the Astros finally can move on from the trash can. I think the Astros are that good. I think their bullpen is that good. Justin Verlander is going to win the American League Cy Young. And oh, by the way, they've still got Framber Valdez. They still got Lance McCullers Jr. They still got Christian Javier. They still got Jose Urquidy. They still got Hunter Brown, who's a mini Justin Verlander. They got Ryan Stanek. They got Ryan Presley. They got Hector Neris. I mean, they have got the pitching. And oh, by the way, they got Altuve. They got Bregman. They got Alvarez. They got all of these guys. You're just like, oh my God, it's unrelenting. I got the Astros winning the World Series in 2022. So, But one thing we do have in common, Vin, is that we're both taking an American League team winning the World Series this year. I think that's kind of interesting. Yeah, interesting. And, uh, I mean, I can't fault you with the Astros. I mean, they are they are really, really good. I mean, they're, they're you know, on paper, you got to put them ahead of the Dodgers almost, just the, the – um, just the impact that some of those guys make in their lineup and on their pitching staff. So I don't blame you there. I'm just, I'm going with a little bit more of a fun pick. So I like I'm it. going with the Blue Jays. Well, yeah. You could be very right and I could be very wrong or vice versa. So we'll recap it coming up at a Brewers extra innings coming up in November or on a Brewers weekly, I should say coming up in November. Remember Brewers weeklies are every Thursday throughout the off season that the bucks aren't playing. So you can catch it right here to stay up to date with everything Brewers related, but Hey Vinny, I just want to take a second and thank you for all your hard work this season uh, of hopping on these post-game shows with us or even with Matt Polly earlier in the season as well. Uh, you are a budding star in this industry, my friend, and it's been amazing to watch you grow in this world with a microphone in front of your, in front of your face. And Man, the sky is the limit and then some for you. I can't wait to see what you can become next season. You're a great man. You're a great dad. You're a great husband, and I wish you all the best this offseason and finally get to enjoy some time off, my friend. Awesome. Um, thanks, man. That really means a lot coming from you because I know how talented you are. And likewise, man, you are a budding star as well. And I'm glad that you're on the, uh, the post-game show here. And, um, I mean, you're, you are a very talented voice in this industry. And the sky is also the limit for you. So, But I, I do appreciate the kind words. I've been having an absolute blast talking baseball with you and just talking baseball in general. And um, I just feel really lucky. All right, Vinny Rotino, enough self-pat on the back. All right, get out of here. This was still a disappointing <laughs> season for the Brew Crew. Thanks for all of your analysis, nonetheless. Always, follow him on Twitter, at Vinny Rotino, former Brewer, Racine's mayor practically at this point. He's the man. <laughs> Vinny, thanks as always, and we'll catch you down the road this winter. Sounds good, Dan. We'll talk to you soon. All right, we got more to come here on the show. Brewers, I, I got a lot of texts rolling in. I promise I'm going to get to you guys. You can call in as well, 855-616-1620, 855-616-1620. I want to jump ahead and get the way-too-early look at what the 2023 lineup could look like. More on that coming up on the home of the Brewers, WTMJ. Welcome back. The Brewers season is over. We're all sad. But we're looking ahead. We're looking forward. We're staying optimistic. There is still a lot to be excited about for this club. I'm going to get some more of your texts coming up in the next hour of the show. 855-616-1620. Again, 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talking Text Line. I'm Dominic Catronio. I just want to wax poetically real quick about my way too early prediction for the starting lineup, or my wish list anyway, of the 2023 Milwaukee Brewers on opening day. And I want to preface this, is that there's going to be some wish list guys on here like saying a trade happens or a free agent acquisition happens that may not be uh, expected. But I think it's still within the realm of aggressiveness and the Brewers have the talent to make these deals. So I want to start 
in the outfield, that's quite frankly the easiest one to start with. When you look at the Brewers and all of their depth that they have right now, left field is probably going to be Christian Yelich. I wonder how quickly the Brewers are going to move him to designated hitter. How quickly are they going to try to suggest him to play first base? There's a lot of different ways that they can go with Christian Yelich over the life of this deal because, look, defensively, he leaves a lot to be desired. If he's going to be a leadoff hitter and on-base machine like he was in the middle of this season, you'll take it. But there is a lot of outfielders in the pipeline, so you got to figure out what to do. And a lot of folks saying, unload Christian Yelich's contract, just get rid of it. Like, well, well, wait, 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 time out, guys. Trades have to work both ways. The street works both ways. Somebody has to be willing to take that on. You're probably going to have to eat a lot of money on that. And as we've talked about, the Brewers are going to tell you they cannot absorb that kind of a cash. So Yelich is going to be your left fielder unless something insane happens moving forward into 2023. So I think Yelich is going to be in left field. Center field? Probably Garrett Mitchell. And what I look at with Garrett Mitchell is... Maybe this dude gets the chance to play every day. Maybe they softly platoon him with Tyrone Taylor still in center field. Or maybe it's not Tyrone Taylor, but Este Uri Ruiz. Remember, Ruiz is right-handed. Tyrone Taylor is on the hot seat this offseason. All these outfielders banging on the door. Tyrone had every opportunity to have a stranglehold on center field after Lorenzo Cain was DFA'd, and he never took grip of it. That's why they had to call up Garrett Mitchell. That's why they had Jonathan Davis around for a while. That's why they had you know, Ruiz... You know, as a part of the return of the Josh Hader deal. So Tyrone Taylor is going to have to really have a great camp to make this team probably, or else he's going to be sent back down to AAA, which is a shame to see because he's been a great pinch hitter off the bench, but you're probably going to need to see some new blood. So it comes between Ruiz and Taylor for that second right-handed, you know, hitting center fielder to figure out what the Brewers are going to do. Right field will be Hunter Renfro. I'd be shocked if he gets traded. Still another year of arbitration. Uh, he will be a little more expensive this year, but I don't see why you would move on from Hunter Renfro. So the outfield looks like this. The Christian Yelich in left, Garrett Mitchell in center, and then a competition for the fourth outfielder of Ruiz and Taylor, and then Renfro in right field. Let's talk about the infield. Third base. That is a glaring question mark right now. Urias is obviously under team control. He'll be in a second year as a Super 2 of arbitration. He has four years of arbitration as opposed to three because he reached it a year early. I, th- I think Urias is still going to be your third baseman. There is room for improvement there, obviously. The Brewers need to call, ring the phones, figure out what they can find at third base. Now, I will say, the free agent market at third base is not pretty. There is not a lot desirable available over there. You want to take the part-time Hanser Alberto from the Dodgers, the Mr. Position Player Pitching? Do you want to take a chance on, you know, a Josh Harrison, who really mostly plays second base, quite frankly? Do you keep Jace Peterson around? Do you go after uh, somebody like a Charlie Culberson with the Rangers? He's 34 years old. It's not a very pretty third base uh, free agent class. So there's not an instant click of offense over there at third base. So I think you may have to roll with Urias at third. I will say, Weicho really improved his defense this season. He was a much better defender this year. It's going to be hard to decide what you do with Jace Peterson, though. He's been such a cog at the bottom of the order, giving you good at-bats. And I'm convinced, I mean, look, he's, he's a gamer, playing hurt for the most of the second half. You saw the brace on his left arm. It's UCL-related. He needs the rest and the rehab. That's why the power was sapped 
in the second half of the season. I could see him being an extra infielder, staying as that utility guy for the Brewers. Now, a trade could happen, but I think they're going to stay with the status quo at third base. Shortstop, it's easy. Willie Thomas. No sense in spending any further time with with shortstop. Willie Thomas. Second base. Colton Wong's gone. Okay, there's no way. I would be absolutely flabbergasted if the Brewers pick up a $10 million option on Colton Wong. Bryce Terang is ready to go. Bryce Terang has to be added to the 40-man roster this offseason anyway because he would be Rule 5 eligible. It's time. Bring the kid up. Youth movement is here. I think Bryce Terang will be your starting second baseman for the Brewers next season. Left-handed. Keep that in mind. Maybe you platoon Urias with him, depending on what you figure out at third base. So there's a lot to, to see with the Brew crew there. But I think Bryce Terang is the new second baseman. First base, rowdy, but it's where you can get a little creative. Do you welcome in a platoon? Do you try to take the load off of Rowdy a little bit more? Josh Bell's about to be free agent, but he's going to command a ton of cash. I don't think the Brewers are going to go after him. Trey Mancini has said publicly he wants to go back to the Orioles. But does he? What if he doesn't? What if he wants to come to Milwaukee? Trey Mancini could be a good fit as a platoon. You also look at Carlos Santana, switch-hitting first baseman, royal for a long time. Even you've got a thought of maybe a switch-hitting first baseman to go with Rowdy Telez, and that's your platoon. That's a free agent option. Just keep that in mind, but I still think Rowdy will be it. And then here's my trade. Here's the guy I want behind the plate. Victor Caratini's back for another year. Armand Narvaez is about to walk as a free agent. You know what could be a really creative trade? Sean Murphy with the Oakland A's. Go look up his numbers. Great framer. Gold Glover in 2021. One of the best power-hitting catchers. Not an offense only. I mean, look, it's hard to hit and catch, to say the least. But Sean Murphy's a Midwest guy, by the way. Went to Wright State. Grew up in upstate New York. And then uh, went, uh, or I should say, went to high school in Ohio. Then, of course, stayed put at Wright State. This season, coming into the day, 18 homers, a two fifty batting average, 37 doubles for a catcher. Can they get creative and try to get Sean Murphy, who will be entering his first year of arbitration in 2023 under three years of team control? Now that sounds like a David Stearns deal to me. You've got a lot to choose from in the upper levels of the minors, and the, obviously the A's are rebuilding. I wonder if they've uh, picked up the phone, asking about Sean Murphy, because they've got Shea Langoliers up right now, who seems to be their catcher of the future. They do. They just drafted another catcher, Daniel Suzak. So they may have a little too many catchers to deal with right now, too many cooks in the kitchen. So that's my pipe dream one. I'd love to see Sean Murphy in a Brewers uniform. He's right-handed. You can keep the platoon with switch hitting Victor Caratini hitting against lefties or uh, hitting against uh, righties if you want to have him get a couple of days in. And then Murphy, catch 120, 100, you know, 130 games or so. DH, Keston. Got to see something, buddy. It's Keston's job to lose, but that's where you maybe call up a, a Ruiz or a Joey Weimer to try to get them some at-bats as well. That's just my way too early look at 2023. I got a lot of texts that are piling up here. If you want to call in, 855-616-1620. We're going to have news coming up here at the top of the hour as well. More Brewers Extra Innings after this on the home of the Brewers, WTMJ. 
Oh, we're not done yet. We got a whole other hour. We'll go until nine o'clock tonight, everybody. Celebrating or languishing in the Brewers finale. Four to two, the loss tonight. They finished the season eighty-six and seventy-six. No playoffs. The Brewers season is done. Eight five five. 616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Again, 855-616-1620. I'm Dominic Catronio. Now, I've got a back pile of text messages here that I want to get to. And thank you to everybody who's listened so far. It's been a long show, but we're just getting going. We still got Craig Council. And we still are going to play a few highlights from this game as well a little bit later on. But I want to get to these texts. A lot of talk about unloading the yellow contract. Even if you have to throw in one of the young outfielders they have in the minors, this texture says, use the cash you save on the yellow contract to sign both Woodruff and Burns. And Garrett Mitchell, in my opinion, is 100% untouchable, this texture says. Six years of club control, and the kid will hit 310. Now, he's still very early in his career. He is the next Ryan Braun in the face of the team for the next 10 to 12 years. His words, not mine. His words, not mine. Ryan, look, I, I want to take a timeout. Putting somebody with, what, 100 plate appearances in the big leagues? Garrett Mitchell? I'm going to double-check here real quick. The title of one of the most famous brewers of all time. That is unfair to Garrett. And quite frankly, it's unfair to Ryan Braun. He has, after today, he's got 68 plate appearances in the big leagues, guys. Let's tap the bricks. He's a gr- really good player. It's great to see him healthy. But already titling him the next Ryan Braun, I see it with the confidence. I see it with the swagger. Let's tap the brakes. I'd love it if he becomes the next Ryan Braun. But 68 plate appearances into his big league career. Let's not put that kind of pressure on the kid because by the sum of the parts, too, they could be really good within this outfield in the future. But uh, I do like Garrett Mitchell. The reason why I don't think he's 100% untouchable is because of that control. He's already proven that he can do it in the big leagues, at least for these 68 at-bats, or 68 plate appearances. He's something that other teams say, all right, cool, he's, he's played in the big leagues already, he's done it a little bit. We see something we like, then we can mold his swing. That's, that's the kind of reason why, and you would get a, a heck of a return for Garrett Mitchell. But that's the life of being a Brewers prospect, right? You're always under threat of being traded because the Brewers are so good at developing their talent. I want to address another uh, texture from earlier asking about, I was talking about why the Cardinals have such a big fan base and why their payroll is bigger than the Brewers, even though it's similar in population market size. And this texture was asking about, you know, the exclusive deal with Bally Sports and blackouts and everything. That's not a Brewers issue. That's a baseball issue. Blackouts, the cable, the RSNs, that's a overall baseball issue. That's not contained to the Brewers. So don't blame the Brewers for that. And by the way, the Cardinals are also on Valley Sports, and they go through the same issues in Missouri where you can't watch unless you have Valley Sports Midwest. That's hopefully being solved soon. There's a report in Forbes a couple of weeks ago about uh, NHL, NBA, and MLB continuing to corroborate and maybe think about buying Valley off of the RSNs and running it themselves and making it a one-time streaming purchase for all of the leagues, which would be very interesting. No blackouts. This is an archaic deal that's hopefully going to be fixed in the next few years, but that's not a Brewers issue. Do not blame the Brewers for that. That is a Major League Baseball issue. A lot of teams are going through that. Heck, half half of Los Angeles can't see the Dodgers 
and they're not on Valley. This is a normal, this is something that's happening and it sucks, but hopefully it'll be solved sooner as opposed to later. Another uh, texter, Claude in St. Francis. The bottom line is the Brewers stunk with players on base. I would love to see the stats of how many base runners were left stranded, need to play more small ball, stop swinging for the fences every time they're up to bat. It, yeah, I agree as far as putting the ball in play and less uh, you know, swing for the fences. Small ball is tough because, let's be honest, small ball is dead because nobody does it anymore, including in the minor leagues. Nobody does small ball. Granted, the Brewers are going to have a very different roster as far as speed and athleticism moving forward soon. So the thought maybe is, maybe you are going to put the ball on the ground a little more. Be more like a 2015 Kansas City Royals. Try to get some uh, you know, movement in that regard. But I think this current roster, you got to be honest, this current roster isn't constructed for bunts. It isn't constructed for speed. Christian Yelich led this team in stolen bases. He had 19. This team isn't a speed team. And other thing, well, Dom, then that that's more reason to hit the small ball. They aren't successful at it. They don't practice it. They don't train it. Most teams don't train it. And quite frankly, this is an overall baseball thing, not just the Brewers, but there's a belief in baseball right now. It's like it's not really worth it to have a sacrifice, but never give your opponents an out, especially when hits it's harder to get a hit than ever before in big league history. But I agree with just getting the ball in play. Good things happen when you get the ball in play especially with runners in scoring position. At one point, I had tweeted the stat earlier this week, heading into the series against Dimebacks, that the Brewers had the most strikeouts in the last week with runners in scoring position. That's where I look. Not necessarily small ball, just put the ball in play with runners in scoring position. And in case you're wondering, where do the Brewers rank as far as runners left on base in the 2022 season? And this is in all of baseball, uh, arranging it right now. And this is kind of a double-edged sword because you do hit a lot of home runs, and you do, it's like, oh, wow, they don't have, like, the Oakland A's had the fewest runners left on base in baseball. Maybe you would think, oh, wow, they, that's that's good. They're cashing in. No, that means they're just not getting a lot of runners on base. So it's kind of a double-edged sword, right? And you look at the team that has the most runners left on base, the two teams, the Padres and the Dodgers. So it kind of comes out in that regard. I'll double-check about with runners in scoring position, but I think that's a fair critique. They need to be better with runners in scoring position. Their approach needs to change. Another texter, Sheila in Milwaukee. Everyone can complain about their bullpen or the back end of it. However, they didn't have an, enough run support in the high leverage situation they were put in day in and day out. Uh, Craig Council, they never complained about it when they were calling Craig Timber, and he got us into the playoffs. So a small market team like we are needs to be grateful for the team and the manager that we have. That's from Sheila in Milwaukee. Yeah, Craig Timber didn't come around this year, and Craig Timber really rolled the, the 40-man rosters and manipulated it very, very well. But uh, it, it was a weird year, and I, I still look at it as teams underperforming. I want to get to the phone lines here as well. Do we still have, uh, I think Mike might have dropped here. We're going to get him back on the line here in just a second. 855-616-1620. Again, 855-616-1620 here on the home of the Brewers, WTMJ. We're going all the way until 9 o'clock tonight. we got more to talk about. We're going to hear Craig Council's comments a little bit later here before our next break as well. A big text coming from Michael. The whole team is to blame for a poor sub-500 season since Memorial Weekend. It starts from leadership. General manager and manager are selected to put the top talent on the field at all times. All games matter. Who is the best versus lefty pitchers? Who is the best versus righty pitchers? Unable to find a suitable catcher all year. 
Bring in a minor league catcher, give him a chance. Opposing teams go to switch defensively, and the Brewers do not have one capable major league player that cannot slap a ball to an open spot or even bunt. How embarrassing for a major league team, and the press wants to know why attendance and down. A stale team, top to bottom. Watch teams with emotion and support with one another during the game. They're on the front steps of the dugout cheering on their teammates. Brent Suter is the only guy supporting this team. Council looks totally disinterested in the team and winning in results. I disagree with the disinterested part for Craig Council. He lives and dies with every single pitch. There needs to be an ISO cam on Craig Council and his stressful walks up and down the tunnel in the uh, in the dugout of just trying to figure out what is going on with his team. I, I look at the underperformance. You're right here, Michael, talking about the underperformance against lefties. They can roll out a lineup with eight right-handed hitters against lefties but still couldn't figure it out. Luis Arias really struggled against lefties. Colton Wong, which is normal for left-on-left, but last year he was so good against lefties. It's so odd to see it disappear for him this year. You don't really have a true right-handed first baseman. Keston Hira has the reverse splits. It's very odd their setup uh, as far as the offense goes. And and I want to say about the catchers, first half of the year they were great. Narvaez and Caratini, they both ran out of gas dealing with the various small strains and injuries. Catchers get beat up. And when it comes to why don't you call somebody up, Mario Feliciano is on the 40-man, obviously, but when you have an elite pitching staff like this and they have their rhythm and they have their cadence with their catchers, I mean, remember earlier in the year, Victor Caratini was the personal catcher for Corbin Burns. And now you want to say, hey, Corbin, you got to have a Mario Feliciano catch you tonight. You don't want to mess with the pitchers because it's a, it's a big relationship. But Omar Narvaez is probably out the door. Victor Caratini will be back. Maybe we'll see more Mario Feliciano next season. All right, now we're going to get back to the phone lines as well. 855-616-1620. Mike in Westchester, you have some thoughts on Brewers Extra Innings. Yeah, hi. How are you doing? Doing great. Uh, How are I'm you? I'm just going to join in the post-mortem for uh, Craig Consul. Um, the last 50 games, I never saw a manager not push the right buttons as much as he did not push the right buttons. I mean, it's just one after another. He, uh, Freddie in the eighth inning against the Marlins was Devin Williams out tonight. He didn't finish the game. I mean, throughout the last 50 games, a lot of not hitting the right buttons. I'm just disappointed in his performance and, you know, just disappointed. That's all. I'm just upset about the whole thing. But more importantly, we should go after Wilson Contreras maybe from the Cubs. I love that pickup, guys. What do you think? Yeah, I like that. To an extent, with the Wilson Contreras. Thanks for the call, though, Mike. When it comes to Wilson Contreras, look, there's a lot of baggage with this ball club and and Wilson Contreras. Uh, Obviously, the hit-by-pitches, and he complains every time he gets hit by a pitch. Uh, He seems like the team really loves him. I don't... I mean, he's going to be a free agent, so it's not, you know, on the Cubs to make a deal or anything like that for him. But this year, in his final year of arbitration, he was making $9.6 million, and quite frankly, that was a steal for him. I mean, this year... He hit 243, which was just about league average. Uh, he had an 815 OPS, 22 homers, 23 doubles. I, I look at, and he also puts bat on ball because he swings so often, right? He was an all star this year. Little brother is doing great as well in Atlanta. I don't know if the Brewers can afford him, quite frankly. And I know that's the last thing a lot of fans want to hear. Oh, they can't afford this guy, but it's true. I don't think they can afford him. That's why it suggested earlier trade for Sean Murphy, trade for, and keep Mario Feliciano and keep Victor Caratini. I would love to see Sean Murphy in a Brewers jersey because, look, Wilson Contreras 
is going to be 31 years old next season. He's going to be probably asking for five, six years, probably asking somewhere in a $12 million range, trying to be one of the highest paid catchers in baseball next year. He's not a great receiver of the baseball, too, which is something the Brewers keep track of. They could put their magic pixie dust, you know, on their catchers, and they do a good job with that. I don't hate the thought, but I just don't think it's going to be executed. And, and on to the Craig Council thing. When you bring up the Freddie Peralta one, Freddie was one strike away from that inning being unblemished. Right? That's a lack of execution. That's not a lack of, of Craig Council. I will be critical, though, of Craig Council in that inning saying he should have had somebody ready to go earlier than when Freddie, I mean, a couple of base hits in that inning, including the walk that kept that loaded the bases. I think that's a fair criticism. But Freddie was one strike away against Avi, who was 0 for 3 with two strikeouts at the time of the game. You know the scouting report on the guy. And Freddie did not execute a fastball with a 1-2 count. That's what I look at with that one. I think it's one of those things that the bullpen decisions look worse because every game was one to nothing, two to one, three to two. It was never expanded. How often have the Brewers had a more than one run lead as of late? I, I very rarely down the stretch here. You were white knuckled the entire month of September. They never got a chance to just breathe. So it makes everything look worse on the pitching staff than it actually was. Like tonight, right? They gave up four runs tonight, three of them in the ninth inning, which was shocking. But the Brewers only scored two runs. Two. That's never going to win a game, no matter what your bullpen is. That's never going to win a game in today's baseball. We've talked about the Brewers record over and over about when you get four runs, they're one of the best teams in the game. Let me double-check the numbers here real quick. Pulling out the game notes for you. Somewhere in here. All right, I found them. Game notes. Shout out to Mike Vasallo, Andrew Grumman. You guys are awesome. These game notes. All right, when the Brewers score at least four runs this year, they were 72 and 25. 72 and 25. I'm going to say that one more time. 72 and 25. 47 games above 500 when you just scored four runs. Is that too much to ask? It makes the bullpen look so much worse when you're not scoring four runs. Oh, in case you're wondering, do the math when you score three runs or fewer. 14 and 51. It's the offense, guys. It's not Craig Council. They do need to get more bat on ball, but it's the offense this season. That is going to be the pitfall of what I look to in this 2022 season. Let's hear from the manager, though. He did have a final press conference with the media today after the game. We're going to hear his thoughts here. I, I know we got a few callers on hold. I'm going to get to you guys after we hear from Craig Council. Here he was post-game earlier today uh, with the, the media after the Brewers' fi- finale losing 4-2. to No, I mean, that's that's an easy call. Yeah, yeah, we we'd, we decided after we got eliminated that he wasn't going to pitch anymore. What do you make of the whole Corbin season? Um, I was coming from, like you said, before the top of the mountain to, to this year. I think he's still on the top of the mountain. Yeah. Yeah. Was he pleased to just end on, it's three innings, but end on a really Yeah, I mean, we'd, 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 you know, we planned today to be short. Uh, you know, if, if this was the situation that we were in. Um, and... Uh, yeah, he he was really sharp, uh, pitched very well, um, and, and you know I think finished the season, um, you know as good as he's throwing the ball. So it's it's um, 
he had a great season. Um, you know, it's impre- it's just what he did to follow up a, a great season with another great season is, um, you know, to be commended and uh, the the mark of a great pitcher and a great player. Um, and there's no doubt we got we got ourselves a great player. Yesterday we talked about you know what Peter's done kind of quietly over the last month or so. Does Holby kind of fall in that category too? Kind of over the whole course of the season, just coming in there and. Yeah, I mean, I, th- I think I, I, Hobie's been a real unsung hero for this team. You know that that role is um, we 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 just we don't talk about it after the game very often, um, and that's kind of how you want it for a guy like that, really. Um, and, and he's been durable, um, and he, and he's gotten better. Uh, I, th- I think he took a big step forward this year. Um, and um, you know, had become a real uh, dependable and a guy that we can count on down there. So um, he, he had a very nice season. I'm, I'm really happy for him and proud of him. That um, you know, he, he's he's not a you know he's not young, so to speak, right? Uh, and he's had to work hard to get to this point and it's taken a while to get to this point but um he's got himself or uh you know he's a he's a major league reliever and, and doing with a with a really good full season under his belt gonna feel weird not coming to the ballpark tomorrow i, I know i guess you are going to be coming but you know what i mean like just end of the season abrupt and um yeah i mean it's <laughs> Yeah, I mean, you, you play 162 games and, and um, you know, you don't, you know, we're not, we want to be planning for next week. You know, that's that's the always the the, the goal and what we've been doing for here for a while. But, um, you know, it, it's also, you know, I, I think guys have worked hard and given it everything they got and it's, it's time to take a little rest. What is what is the message like? I mean, at the end like this with that group, I mean, not the details necessarily, but how do you approach it after the four years where you've been looking forward to the postseason, but this time you knew that today was the Yeah, I mean, look, so, you know, what we've, you know, we, this is what we talked about before is you've earned some expectations and, um, you know, with higher expectations comes a bigger chance of disappointment. Um, and uh, that's, that's the way we want it. And um, so, we got to live with that. Um, that's the deal. Um, uh, we, we we won 86 games. That's um, by no means a. It's it's not a. That's a good. It's a pretty good number. Um, but this year it wasn't good enough. Um, but it, it's a good baseball team, and, and they know that. And I, and I told them that. Um, but I think when with expectations we have, it it still feels disappointing. Yeah, disappointing is a great word for it. It's a don't lose sight of your criticisms, your your power, or, or, or I shouldn't say power, but your your job as a fan. And these are the hard days of being a fan, right? Convincing, like, oh, they were so close, and like telling people why you still believe in them. There is still plenty of reason to believe in the Brewers for next season. I truly believe that. And applying pressure and saying, look. Look at this team we have. It's one of the best cores the Brewers have had in a long, 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 long time. It's fair to get excited and want them to win while they have them. Because these cycles don't happen 
you know, overnight. It took 2016, you know, a late rally in 2017, and then boom, 2018, they finally took off. They were one game away from the World Series. And, you know, today the streak ends of consecutive postseason appearances. Craig Council, in my opinion, a lot of folks, you know, it's easy to fire a manager. It's not easy to fire the entire team. Craig Council's not going anywhere, guys. Nowhere. He's one of the best managers in baseball. He's the third longest tenured manager in baseball. Think about that for a second. In Milwaukee. And he played for these guys. Only Terry Francona and Kevin Cash have been at their current employer longer than than Craig Council. How wild is that? That's I I think that's a guy to rally around and be proud of. He's the all-time winningest manager now in Brewers history. You're in a level of success you haven't seen ever. Five straight winning seasons and full seasons. Now trying to work in tandem with David Stearns and Matt Arnold to make sure they can field another winner in 2023 and get right back into the postseason. Because going into a postseason five out of six years sounds really darn good. Sure, you missed one year, but you can point to the injuries. One texture pointed that out. Look at how much time you missed Freddie Peralta for. How many starts Jason Alexander, no disrespect to Jason, it's a heck of a story for you, man. Really happy for you. But pennant chase baseball. Chi-Chi Gonzalez Pitt started a couple games for the Brewers this year. You remember that? Adrian Hauser dealing with injuries. And I know you want to say, oh, Adrian Hauser stunk this year. Adrian, ha- Look at 2021 for Adrian Hauser. This was unexpected. They were very excited about Adrian Hauser this season. And you look at the rotation projected next year if everybody's healthy. Corbin Burns, Brandon Woodruff, Freddie Peralta, of course. You've got... Eric Lauer, who had a great year, 28 starts. Love that for him. You've still got Aaron Ashby, who will probably develop into a more permanent starting role. Remember, he was supposed to be the swing man this year. Kind of got thrusted into action because of injuries sooner than Brewers were anticipating. So he's going to be in the rotation next year. So that's five right there. Hauser can be the sixth man. You can go back to a six-man rotation that led you so much success in 2021. I wouldn't hate that. I want to get to the phone line here. 855-616-1620. 855-616-1620. in Oshkosh calling in about uh, some roster takes here. Thanks, you're on Brewers Extra Innings. Dominic, thanks for taking my call. Um, I have to say, I think you're doing a fantastic job. Keep it up. Thank you very much. Um, your lineup that you were talking about before... Um, I like Urias kind of as your utility. He plays second. He plays short. He plays third. Uh, he's still going to get plenty of at-bats. See how Terang does at second, obviously. But I look at center field solving that, and you got a lot of young guys out there. But third base is a key. Third base, you need a hitter. Third base, you need power, RBIs. Uh, you know, get center field straightened out, third base, uh, catcher, and I I missed who you said at DH. I mean, DH should be a, a really big-time hitter. So um, that stat you read before with uh, scoring four runs or more is unbelievable, really. I mean, so um, – and I, I love Council. He's, he's fantastic. I don't know if this was one of his best years or not, but I still like him. And um, uh, the playing for one run, I just say, you know, you play for one run, that's all you're going to get is one run. But sometimes that's all they needed was one run. So uh, I hope they keep that in mind, too. But you're doing a great job. Um, 
I'm looking forward to all the winter nights talking baseball. Thank you. Awesome. Thanks for your takes there, Charlie. When it comes to the DH spot, it's still Keston Hira, in my opinion. And look, the Brewers don't really have much available. Then it comes down to do you figure out what do you do with one of the extra outfielders? Do you have Ruiz be a DH on days? Do you have Freelick come up and be a DH? I mean, you want to use him in the field, obviously. Then Joey Weimer, you got I mean, we haven't barely even talked about Joey Weimer. I mean, he's going to be, he's a man-child, by the way. Look out for him next spring training, since we'll finally have a normal spring training next year. Look out for him next spring, because he's built like a linebacker. He's ginormous. He's got amazing blonde hair. I'm not jealous at all. If you know me, I'm bald. And he's somebody that can play some legit right field, has a cannon for a right arm, is projected as a 2020 guy, 20 homers, 20 stolen bases. And there's a texture in here. I want to get to this text too about the new rules next season. Josh here in Milwaukee saying, well, curious about your thoughts on the new shift restriction, how it will influence not only decisions about the current roster, but free agency and potential minor league promotions. It's a great question, Josh. And it comes to these guys we're talking about. Ruiz, talking about Freelick, talking about Weimer, talking about Mitchell. What do all these things have in common? They can fly. The stolen bases back, baby. Bigger bases, pickoff restrictions, a faster-paced game, less shifting, which means Garrett Mitchell's not going to see three infielders on the right side of second base anymore. He can slap it. He can figure it out. He can pull baseballs. He can hit balls up the middle. Sal Freelick is a elite bat-to-ball guy. Joey Weimer is not going to see three infielders on the left side of second base when he comes up as a big right-handed hitter. So it's going to work out. I think that when it comes to promoting these guys... The Brewers might be one of the teams that are most aggressive on the bases next season. They've got some speed demons. And oh, by the way, Yelich, if he wasn't caught today, he would have had 20 stolen bases. Yelich can still run. You got Mitchell. You got Ruiz, who led all of the minor leagues in stolen bases. Weimer stole uh, over 20 bases this season. Freelich stole over 30 bases this season. There's a lot to like. I think the Brewers are going to look like a, a run-and-gun type team. Maybe not a, a Harvey's Wallbangers, but we got to come up with a a fun tagline, if they are going to steal a ton of bases next season, Craig's, I don't know what the alliteration would be. Council's something. we got to figure that out. If you got a better idea, text it in. 855-616-1620. If the Brewers are going to be a stolen base team, what would their nickname be, a la a 1982 Harvey's Wallbangers? What would, I guess it doesn't have to be alliteration, I guess. Wallbangers, yeah. So maybe, I mean, Craig's Thieves, just... Uh, I, I, we'll think of something. Somebody's more creative than me. We'll text it in as well. Uh, we are going to go to some highlights here in just a little bit. We also have some more of your texts, some of your calls as well. Thank you, everybody who's participated. We'll be going with you to the top of the hour till 9 o'clock, a big, long Brewers Extra Innings. And don't forget, I'm right back here tomorrow, guys. Brewers Weekly. Hang out, chill, relax. We're going to talk some baseball, 8 o'clock tomorrow. Hope to join you here on the show as... I'm going to look over award season. Who's your AL MVP? Who's your NL Cy Young? Who's your manager of the year? Who's your rookie of the year? Do you think Shohei Otani should get first place votes in the AL MVP despite Aaron Judge breaking Roger Maris' American League record? I'm ready for the hot takes. I'm not a hot take guy. If you've been listening to me for a long time, I am not a hot take guy. But I got got a lot of takes about Shohei Otani. I love Shohei Otani. But I also like Aaron Judge. Heck of a year. Okay, we're going to talk about the highlights. We're rambling. Look, I've been on. I've been in front of a microphone all day. Okay, 
Let's go. I'm up. Let's go. I need another coffee. More to come on the home of the Brewers, WTMJ. Time for tonight's highlights. Here's Dominic Catronio. One more highlight segment means one more time to hear the voice of the one, the only, Mr. Baseball, Bob Euchre, before we head into the winter in 2022. The Brewers fell today 4-2, to the final score. That doesn't begin to tell you the whole story of this one. Corbin Burns got the start today, and quite frankly, that's on me for not talking about Corbin Burns yet to this point. He crosses 200 innings for the first time by a Brewers pitcher since 2012 by Giovanni Gallardo. Career high in innings pitch, and he's the National League strikeout leader. The first time ever a Brewer pitcher has led his league with strikeouts. It was a short outing today, but a dominant one. 0-2 delivery, swing and a miss, struck him out. Down low and away, and it's strikeout number three in the game. He was dominant as his usual self. Great work, as always, from Corbin Burns. He just went one time through the order. He was nine up, nine down, five total strikeouts. His ERA finishes on the season at 2.94. Now, he exits the game, and in comes Aaron Ashby. Ashby getting some bulk in as the main guy coming in in his final work of the season. And a run was scored against him early. Christian Walker gets an RBI single off him. At the time, it was an unearned run because of an error by Keston Hira in left field. But still, with two outs, looking with Josh Rojas coming to the plate, left on left, he got a chance to get out of the inning, but he rips a double to left center field, but the Brewers' defense bails out Ashby. This is hit in the air to left center field. That's going to plug the gap. It'll roll all the way to the warning track before Taylor's over there to cut it off. Walker's being waved around third. Here's the throw home from Willie Adamas, and they'll get him at the plate. Boy, a tough send. Walker really never had a chance. Wayne Grindle on the call. He's absolutely right. And another strike from Willie Adamas. Tony Perez, Chica, man. I don't know what scouting report you're reading, but don't run on Willie Adamas. How many times has he done that this season? 93 miles an hour on the throw, according to StatCast. Moving along, though, as the Diamondbacks were leading one to nothing, and the Brewers... Weren't getting much offense going. They were trying to steal some bases. They were trying to get guys over. But in the end, it was just putting the ball in play that got their first run across. And the pitch. Swinging a bouncer, hit to third. A run's going to score to tie it. And the throw to first in time. And on the third goes Caratini. Following the throw from Alcantara, Caratini waited and then took off for third and got there easily. That was after a double from Victor Caratini. So Tyrone Taylor with the RBI ground out ties the game at one, and it would sit at a 1-1 game for a long time. How about some more defense from the Brewers? This time from the young center fielder, Garrett Mitchell. And this is hit in the air, right center field. Long run for Garrett Mitchell. Diving, and he made a tremendous catch. Garrett Mitchell and the speed on display once again. Taking extra bases away from Carson Kelly. We didn't see plays like that in the South Central League. (laughs) That was to say the least. Laying Grindle on the call once again. Garrett Mitchell showing off the leather. Great play for him. But hey, it's still a one-to-one game. You may ask yourself, why would you even want to play when you're eliminated from postseason contention, don't want to risk injury, it's the last day of the season, just get up and get out, right? Well, there's a chance that you can end your season on the great, great note, and that is exactly what Rowdy Telez did. For Telez, 3-2. Swinging and a fly ball into right center and deep. Warning track. Get up. Get off the wall. It is gone for Rowdy Telez. And the Brewers have the lead. 
It hit the brick facade. How about one more Bob Euchre call here to end the season as Rowdy Telez, 35 home runs, a new career high, another chance to ring the bell for the Brewers. And don't forget, you don't have to wait until Christmas time to ring the bell and put money in the Salvation Army Red Kettle. Donate today at samilwaukee.org. So now everyone's happy. It's 2-1. to one. You're heading to the ninth inning. Devin Williams was not available today. They decided to shut him down once the Brewers were officially eliminated from postseason contention. So they handed the ball to Trevor Gatt, and, well, it did not go well. Now the pitch. He swings and drives one to center and deep. Way back, warning track, and that one is gone for Josh Rojas. However, the Diamondbacks weren't done. They take the lead on that two-run homer from Josh Rojas. We talk about ending your season on a positive note. Well, Josh Rojas and Corbin Carroll certainly did that. Deals, swinging a drive to right. Deep warning track. This one's going to go. And it's now 4-2. In the blink of an eye, it was a two-run deficit and another blown save for the Brewers. They're 16th since the trade deadline. That is the most in baseball. I think I know what I'm implying there here at the end of the season. Brewers end up their season at 86 and 76. In this game, the Diamondbacks had four runs on 11 hits, no errors. The Brewers had two runs, seven hits, two errors. The D-backs, they left five on base. The Brewers left six on base and only fitting. The Brewers went 0 for 5 with runners in scoring position. The winning pitcher in this one was the reliever popping. The loser in the blown save goes to Trevor Gott. That is all she wrote. 162 games down, all done for the highlights of the season. I want to take a quick second and look all the way back to this offseason, this past offseason. Do you remember we were in a lockout, guys? We're, we're sitting here talking to you today, three days later than the original end of the regular season. I want to take a quick moment to thank everybody that got their heads out of their you-know-whats, got to the bargaining table, and figured it out. It was looking bleak. I was covering it every single day. It was looking awful. We were the laughing stock of North American sports. Oh, what the heck's going on in baseball? They all hate each other, don't they? Yeah, you're not wrong. They still kind of do. But they got back on track. Thank goodness we had a baseball season. Yes, it was disappointing the Brewers didn't make the postseason. But we still get to sit back, watch some playoff baseball coming up. We get to hear our own friend Brian Anderson on the American League uh, TBS coverage. You might know somebody talking on the microphone that might help with some stats and research support on those games, by the way. It's me. But the Brewers are obviously going to be watching from home. Something boils inside of you, that FOMO, right? And for the guys that have been there before, I, I talking to the Phillies this past week, uh, I was in Houston yesterday. They all say the same thing. For the guys that had been there before, they had some of the most guys that had never been to the postseason. Gene Segura had played in the most games in baseball, having never played a single game in the postseason. He's finally in. Reese Hoskins was on that list as well. Look at the pitchers. Aaron Nola on that list. He's never pitched in the postseason. It is kind of wild that, but for the Brewers to be sitting at home, for Corbin Burns, and Freddie Peralta, and all these guys who experienced it last year, and to sit here and be like, <sighs> inspires you, gets you angry, gets you fired up, maybe makes you train a little bit harder moving forward into 2023. So 
hopefully that boils them and gets them going into the right direction. I left a, an open-ended question out there for some creative folks, and you guys delivered on the text line, A556161620. If the Brewers are going to be like a stolen base team next season, like, you know, speedsters, we talked about Harvey's wallbangers. The, the, here's the winner. A couple of ones actually said this. Craig's Legs. That's perfect. Craig's Legs. That's a great name. Also got Council's Cruisers. Don't hate that. Like the alliteration. Council's Cannons. That might work too because of how many home runs they hit. I like that. Craig's Council. And that, there's a parody Twitter account of that. Eh, it's kind of the low-hanging fruit. I don't hate it though. I don't hate it though. Thanks for the participation on that. I like Craig's Legs. If they become a stolen base team, let's make that a thing. Craig's Legs. Yo, make shirts. Put WTMJ's logo on it. Yeah. And Sal Freelich, Estee Ruiz, Garrett Mitchell, uh, you know, Christian Yelich. There could be a lot of stolen bases next year with because if you're not aware, the pickoff rule, the reason why there's a limit on pickoffs is because it's an out for the pitch clock. You get 15 seconds when there's nobody on base. You get 20 seconds when there's somebody on base, which means, oh, one way I can just reset the pitch clock is just pick off the first. But the reason for that is every plate appearance, you're only allowed to get two free pickoffs. If you don't get them on the third, it's a balk. So if if you if I'm Estee Ruiz, right, and I take my lead, I got an aggressive lead. He picks over once, didn't get me. Like, okay, there's one. So now I take a, still another aggressive lead. Maybe I'm not even going. I just take an aggressive lead trying to bait that second throw. So then, oh, through, oh, that's two. Guess where I'm going now? I don't even have to take an aggressive lead now because I can go and take off. Now, it is a gamble if somebody decides to, let's say a lefty, if you're going on first move and they're trying to get you, that's something. But righties, that's a heck of a gamble by the right-handed pitcher because generally when you're looking, and not a name drop because it's true, but a very, very famous base dealer. I'm actually not going to name drop it, but a very famous base dealer, one of the best ever, uh, some would say the greatest, told me, I never looked at the front foot. I looked at I looked right in the middle of the feet. If I if I saw the right foot move, if I saw movement from the right leg, I would get back. As soon as I saw the left leg move, I didn't care if he was jumping off, I was going. Cuz I knew that I'm know what I'm looking at, but he would look right down the middle of the legs. I thought that was interesting. The Brewers could be stealing a lot more next season. The extra 3 inches of the bases too. Think about how many bang bang replay plays we see. It's all going to correct itself. So I'm excited to see that. I, I'm really, really excited to see that. One last text that came in here too, a quick question. Don't know if you mentioned it earlier. Do we risk David Stearns leaving Milwaukee, for instance, the New York Mets? He's still under contract. This is the last, this upcoming year will be his final year of his contract, 2023. There was an out this year if he had made it to the, the uh, championship series that he could leave early. Uh, but no, he is still under team control. It would be on Mark Adonasio if he wants to give permission to interview for any potential vacancies. And quite frankly, I think the uh, the Mets are pretty happy with Billy Epler right now since they just won 101 games, their second most wins in franchise history. So there could be other teams that... I, I do want to note uh, an interesting situation brewing in Houston that both Dusty Baker and James Click, their president of baseball operations, their general manager, are not under contract for 2023. Just keep that in mind. It may not be the Mets if somebody's going to try to hawk David Stearns. It could be his old organization. But they could just turn around and say, oh no, we're, we're taking James Click. We just want to see how this team plays out. So 
Just keep that in mind. He is under team contract. He would have to get permission from ownership to interview anywhere else. So I think he's staying put. Okay, let's take a deep breath. Let's go to our final break of a two and a half hour Brewers Extra Innings. Tommy, you the man, our producer, hanging with us. You, the listener, you're the best. Thanks for hanging with us tonight. Take our final break, come back with our final thoughts, and get ready to wrap up this 2022 season on the home of the Brewers, WTMJ. Twenty twenty two. It's all she wrote. Brewers are on the outside looking in by one game, technically two. The Phillies are the sixth seed, the final team in the postseason. The Brewers that was clinched on Monday. They win the series against the Diamondbacks. They would have loved to have swept. They could have swept today, but they didn't. They lose four to two. They finish eighty six and seventy six. The fifth straight full season that the Brewers finish above five hundred. I want to take a quick moment. And admire the fans real quick. Do not, do not let anyone tell you you're too passionate, you're too unreasonable, you're too over the top. It's the beauty of being a fan. You get to react and ask questions and say, why can't we get Juan Soto? Why can't we get Garrett Cole? You're allowed to say that. But at the same time, I think you can answer those questions yourself. This offseason... The Brewers are going to need you. They're going to need your support. They know just as much as you that they underperformed this year. I loved Andrew McCutcheon's quotes. And obviously he's about to be a free agent to be, so he's departing. When they were eliminated on Monday. If you think you're mad and frustrated and yelling at the TV, imagine how we feel. You can't, you know, it's not professional of them to just go out there and, you know, be whiny to the media and be like, oh, I hate these guys. And I said, no, something went down. Christian Yelich's quotes, I would encourage you to check out Kurt Hoag's and uh, Todd Rosiak's and Adam McAlvey's Twitters from Monday night. He had a great kind of filibuster just about the season in general and chemistry and things of that nature. The Brewers had a weird year, but you can finally put it in the rear view mirror when the sun comes up tomorrow. It is officially all systems go to 2023 when the sun comes up tomorrow. There is still a lot to like about this team. Right now, I just told you your starting rotation. Corbin Burns, Brandon Woodruff, Freddie Peralta, Eric Lauer, Aaron Ashby. Those are your five. You bring back Hauser? Six. How does Robert Gasser develop? There's some excitement. How about the bullpen? Devin Williams is your closer. Is Peter Strzelecki going to have the eighth? Hobie Milner? Matt Bush is back. And a whole offseason in the Brewers pitching lab? Look, Brewers pitching development has a reputation. It's very, very good at what they do. It's better than the Rangers, quite frankly. So I'm really excited to see what Matt Bush can become. He's under team control for two more years, you guys. He's not going anywhere. Brent Suter will be back. The Raptor. Jake Cousins. Justin Topa. Luis Perdomo. There's a lot to be excited about. And then position-wise, Rowdy's back. Willie's back. Renfro's back. Your three leading home run hitters. You have young talent on the way up. Garrett Mitchell's already here. A great debut in his first month and a half as a big leaguer. Really excited to see what he can become. Freelich, Ruiz, Weimer, waiting in the wings. Jackson Churio, only 18 years old on the way. The Brewers are still in a position to compete next season. 
Don't lose sight of that. It's not they're not tearing it down to the studs. I know the as many bites as possible out of the apple line is going to live on its own for a while. But it's all systems go for 2023. And as the hashtag goes, in Stearns we trust. He's got a great track record built up to this point. Don't let one controversial trade and three months to judge from it allow you to abandon ship. There's a great track record from David Stearns and Matt Arnold to right this ship. They took a wrong turn. They can get it back on course. They've done it before. They can do it again. The Brewers are still a very dangerous team in 2023. And I can't wait to be back in Maryvale, to be back in American Family Fields of Phoenix coming up in February as we're thawing out from the winter to watch some spring training baseball. Thank you so much for listening all season long. For Tommy Wirtz, our producer, I'm Dominic Catronio. As always, keep on swinging.